Hello, my friend. We meet again. <laughs> well, that's a great start. I've I had so. I've had Creed stuck in my head all week after last week. <laughs> the other the I've, other option was to literally uh, let me switch back over. The other option was to literally just be ready to do one of these. What? With no explanation or preparation involved. Uh, well, that sounded beautiful. Thank sir. you. I wanted to say that I learned that for the show, but I've known that <laughs> since I was probably fourteen. <laughs> well, you clearly practiced it, and it, it is showing because it that was great. Yeah, muscle memory was there for that from you know, perfect fifteen 20, or fifteen sixteen years ago. So it worked out. Man, so just uh, pick any one of those that you want. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Like, I started to make an office reference, and I found out earlier this week you haven't watched The Office. Uh, uh, there's a, I know. You've watched Parks and Rec, right? Yeah. So, one of my favorite shows of all time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you'll, I'm sure you'll like The Office then whenever you get right. around to it. Yeah. Uh, there's a character on The Office named Ryan who's the temp who they build into a pretty awesome character because at first he's just like the everyman entry point audience viewer of the guy who just has to witness the wacky antics of The Office in the first season, and then he becomes yeah, yeah. this like super hipster douchebag kind of guy that you sort of love to hate and nice. there's one episode where they same thing as parks and rec because the same people they do like the talking head thing so they'll have cutaways mm-hmm. to reactions and stuff and there's one episode where at the end he says like a one-liner and then he pauses and then he says a different one-liner and he pauses and he says a third <laughs> and then he looks at the guys off camera he's like just use any one of those i don't care <laughs> like he's clearly <laughs> like so cynical about the process <laughs> That's awesome. That is a show that I need to catch up on. I've seen episodes, but I've never fully gotten into. Mm-hmm. And uh, Parks and Rec to me, I, I understand that they're similar, and I think I would like The Office as well. But Parks and Rec specifically, I love because of Leslie Nope and the yep. uh, the boundless uh, optimism that she has for the world, mm-hmm. and just the the good feeling I get from that show. Yep. And when I've watched The Office, I get more <laughs> of like a like making fun of people feeling uh-huh. than a, like a, an uplifting feeling. And so I'm like, well, that's definitely different. It has, you know? it has an arc. If you've ever watched yeah. the British office, that one is, yeah. is Ooh. dark, is real dark. Oh, and, really? Interesting. Yeah. It's really not dark. Like people are getting killed and stuff, but dark, like the, the comedy is very, is extremely awkward, cringy. Mm. Um, and so one of the things with the American office, they did that in the first season, the first Parks and Rec and gotcha. The Office have a lot of things in common. One of them is that they're both of their first seasons are easily their weakest yeah. <laughs> or or one of the weakest ones. Um, but the yeah. first season of The Office is only like six episodes. And it's very much like adapting the British office. And mm-hmm. it's fine. I think those episodes are okay. Um, yeah. But then the reason it was successful and it worked so well is because going into seasons two through seven, they... Um, Inner, like they injected a lot of heart into it that the British office didn't have. So mm-hmm. it this a lot of there's there are like a lot of the moments that people talk about the office that are really cringy are very cringy, but there's also a ton of heart and emotion and and character relationships and development and stuff like that. Probably less yeah. than Parks and Rec, but I don't know. Like I think in terms of emotional impact, it's probably close to the same. The overall vibe of Parks and Rec is a lot brighter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the characters, like Rob Lowe's character is always, you know, bright and he's really goofy and Office has those characters too. But 
um, yeah, I think you would still like it. I think it's also interesting because when Parks and Rec launched, because I, I watched The Office from season two on when it was airing. Okay. And and then I've rewatched it a billion times since. But so when yeah, they yeah. launched Parks and Rec, that was probably around like season three or four of The Office. And the first episode of Parks and Rec, after it was done, I was like, I'm not watching that again. They literally just made. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was yeah, bad, right? but they literally just took Michael Scott and had Amy Poehler play him. Like the yeah. similarities there are so and interesting. Again, after season one, they started to figure her out, and she became a completely different character. But yeah. so there's some like overlap there too. And then Parks and Rec by the end of it is like a, compl- a sort of like crazy, like they're going into the future and like yeah, all right. that stuff, which is great. <laughs> I, I like them both a lot for totally different reasons. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's one one area. The one thing about Parks and Rec that they have over The Office, I, I personally think The Office at its highs, its highs are higher than Parks and Rec. But mm-hmm. what it doesn't have that Parks and Rec does have is consistency to the goal line <laughs> because oh, yeah. when uh, I keep calling him Michael Scott, Steve Carell, when he leaves in season seven, uh, season eight, they just flounder. They have no idea how to write mm. anymore. It's awful. It's one of the worst seasons of TV. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Yeah. And then season nine, they bring back some of the original writers and they kind of have a better landing. Um, mm-hmm. Those first seven seasons are great. But then Parks and Rec, I thought was basically after that first season until the end was yeah. was great. They never really had any like bumpy seasons to me or anything. So, yeah, I agree with that. I it's funny cuz um for a while when I would rewatch Parks and Rec, I would just go to the like second to last episode and the second season it's whenever uh Rob Lowe and um I'm forgetting the other ben, guy. My, uh, yeah, I'm all, I think of their character Adam Wyatt, but yeah. Adam Scott. Adam Scott, yeah. Whenever they show up, is like I would just start it over there. Yeah, and then eventually I was like, I'll go watch the first season. And there's a few like good moments in there, um, mm. especially like the ending of it, kind of like really leads into the second season. Yeah. And then when I started rewatching the second season again, I was like, oh, there's actually good stuff here. I just yeah. never gave it as much of a shot. But uh, if you're a fan, then it like still kind of works, you know. I but. always love that actor. I forget his name in real life and in the show. He's in. He's only in season one. He's like uh, the uh, Mark Brandanowitz. Yeah, Brandanowitz. I yeah, I, I love that his name ever though. And uh-huh. yeah, he was just in that. I think it was only season one, right? He was only in there for a bit. He's yeah, he's he's through season two. He's okay. he leaves like right whenever uh, Ben Wyatt shows up, gotcha. kind of switches it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever watched uh, Away We Go movie with John Krasinski Mm-mm. and uh, Maya Rudolph? Uh, one of Amanda and I's favorite movies. I mean, Amanda, your wife. I've known her for a long time. <laughs> uh, my Amanda and I's favorite movies. I, I bet you would like it. It's uh, yeah, it's it's I've definitely your kind of. I think your kind of style. But mm-hmm. um, but the movie is basically them. They find out they're pregnant. It's not planned. And I okay. I don't know why I said they. I hate it when people say that she's pregnant. And uh, <laughs> I, people would always say that when Amanda got pregnant, it was like, I'm not pregnant. I don't have to deal. Like, like, I don't want to take some of this credit. Like she's having to do all the work. She's doing all the work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they go, basically the movie is them going from place to place in the U S where they know people to figure out where are we going to move and like raise this kid. Oh, okay. And one of the places that they stop at one of their old friends is uh, Brandanowitz and he's in that. He's great. I, oh, right I've on. always liked him as an actor. Um, yeah. That's interesting. It's a Sam Mendes directed yeah. feature. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that's, uh, weird. I would never expected that from like the cover because it's it's like I remember this cover. It's like them kind of like drawn. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Real indie um, kind of. And but, it's uh, uh, yeah. it's written by uh, what's his name? Who's the McSweeney's guy? Oh, Dave um, Eggers. Eggers. Yeah. I think he and yeah, his wife wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mandela Vita. Yeah. Um, well, I gotta find this guy's name now that I'm looking this up. I know. It's, I want to say it's Schneider. Paul. Yeah. Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You got, you're on it though. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Um, 
I tried to watch uh, Elizabeth Town again a few years ago. <laughs> I, 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 I give that. <laughs> I give it a shot every like ten years, and I'm like, this is this is Cameron Crowe. It's got to be good. Uh-huh. But uh, it's a weird misfire about uh, a story about a guy who does a huge misfire. It's really interesting, <laughs> kind of like meta. Right. Uh, but he's he's in it. He's like um, Orlando Bloom's like cousin. Oh, really? <laughs> that he goes, and it's funny because I had seen him so much in. Uh, Parks and Rec and stuff, mm-hmm. and I had forgot about Elizabeth Town a long time ago. And then when I saw him again, I was like, "Holy shit!" Because he plays like the drums in it, and it's all just kind of like a weird, awkward stuff as well. Because it's like fish out of water right. meeting old family from you know whatever. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, he when I when I when he does pop up, I like him a lot. Paul Schneider. Isn't that the um, isn't Elizabeth Town the first? I could be wrong. I was just talking to someone about this the other day. I think that's the movie where the manic pixie dream girl. Um, name the trope was named was oh, from that movie okay. i always thought it was garden state but i think it was elizabeth town when i looked it up that, that whole, yeah, there was been. a critic who wrote a review who was like this manic pixie dream girl that kirsten yeah. dunce plays <laughs> and then it became like a trope that now people refer to or whatever i've still never That's seen it i like cameron crow too there's a lot of yeah his movies that i haven't seen both ones that i think people consider good like i've never seen jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. which i think oh, people wow, like yeah, that one right yeah uh, yeah i like that one yeah and then also there's plenty so, that i haven't seen that people hate like the Matt Damon buys a zoo. Isn't that one of his? And then <laughs> it might be. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day. That showed up on one of the streaming services, and I'm I'm always like, I'll give that a shot someday. And <laughs> yeah, that's how I am too. Yeah, and then he did that one recently <laughs> where they were like, Hey, Emma Stone's Hawaiian, right? Like they they just tried oh, to pretend that, was... that she's not white. Like, yeah, I tried that one. Really, I, fifteen minutes. I was like, No, it really doesn't work. Because <laughs> again, like it has good people. He has such great cast and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, we bought a zoo. Yeah, he did do that one. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then have you seen Vanilla Sky? Yes, I do like Vanilla Sky. So uh, Vanilla Sky is uh, one of my best buddies here in Houston, James. Uh, I knew he really liked it. He likes the soundtrack a lot. Mm-hmm. I listened to that with him. And then uh, I had never seen it. And so um, I started watching it and I watched it like halfway. Mm-hmm. And then I met up with him to do. We were working together and I met up to an event and I was like, man, Vanilla Sky is really good. And he's like, oh, isn't it great? And I was like, well, I'm only halfway. And he was like, oh, Oh my God! Like you don't even know. It's like a whole other like, movie you haven't watched. What yet. do you mean? Yeah, because in the beginning it's like this this really cool love story. Yeah. That I was really into, and then uh, yeah, that that shit changes, oh, yeah. and it, I literally had stopped it like right before. right there, and not even knew it. <laughs> Never knew what it was about. That's what you were asking for really last weird. week. Was a movie that starts off as a like a romantic comedy there or you something, go. and then yeah, perfect. Yeah, switches it up. Yeah, uh, that's a weird. I was thinking there's another one. <sighs> I remember right now. Um, have you seen Seeking a Friend for the End of the World? Is that the one with Steve Carell? Yes. And uh, yes, and, and Elizabeth Nightly. Swan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, her, her, her career played many roles, and I reduced it to one. Uh, I yes, because there's there's like three movies that have this almost exact same premise, where it's like yeah, because uh, there's one with what's his name from Game of Thrones. Um, that one's more yes. recent. I haven't seen that. So yes, I'm, I'm 99% sure English. I watched that one when it came out. So it's been like probably what, seven years. It's a little bit older. Yeah. So when that one came out, it's, it's like a, there's like an asteroid or something coming to the earth and it's kind of like, we all know it for months. So right. the whole it hasn't happened yet, but it will. Yeah. yeah okay. But okay. we kind of know it. And then, um, uh, yeah, Steve Carell and, and Keir Knightley like become like unlikely friends or, yeah. or accomplices uh, or whatever but uh whenever it came out um it was it was written by um this is a long story or whatever it was it was basically referenced on a kevin smith podcast okay and he brought it up and he was like hey this reminds me of this other movie from the 80s uh called miracle mile 
and I had never heard of this before. It has, um, I had to look it up through uh, the actor, Anthony Edwards. Okay. Uh, from like ER and Re- Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. And it's basically, um, Kevin Smith brought it up and you did the premise and I've seen it and it's such a weird thing. It's from 1988. The first half of the movie is Anthony Edwards is like a college kid and he sees like this beautiful girl and he like is, he just has to fall in love with her or whatever. And they spend the whole day together. He like meets her grandfather it's this beautiful love story and they're like gonna run away together mm-hmm. halfway through the movie and that's all the movie is and then he's like waiting at a diner and he hears like a phone go off at the phone booth and he answers it and this guy is like dad dad the missiles are going the missiles oh it's gosh. coming it's coming <laughs> and he's like what he called a payphone and he's like oh my god i'm at norad the missiles are coming the russians are bombing and he goes back into the diner and then it's like the movie plays out and it's fucking happening. What? And and it's like a love story that just changes into like a doomsday scenario halfway through. And it's exactly what I want. That's insane. And it's a really interesting movie. It's called uh, Miracle Mile. So does it, how does it end? Does it, do they, do they land? Spoiler alerts. Uh, if I remember correctly, and I've only seen it fully once, I tried to show it to a friend one time and they were like, what are we watching? And I was like, cause it's just this love story and yeah. I wouldn't tell them what we were going to get to. Yeah. And they were like, I don't, I don't care for this. But, uh, I, if I remember right, it's kind of like, so he's, he's trying to get to her, uh, get her word, you know, that mm-hmm. this is happening as well, but it's the fucking eighties. Like, so he's right. kind of working with people in the diner. They're all like debating if this is real or not. Um, and then eventually I think he finally gets to her and if I remember correctly, they get into like a helicopter and they like finally embrace at the end of the movie and there's like an explosion. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost positive that they just die at the end. That's always my preference when a movie, pretty much always when a movie commits like, and, and I could name a few, but then I would be spoiling all these movies where it's ambiguous. So I don't want to do that. But, uh, we mentioned one last week. But those movies yeah. where you, you're like, there's no way they'll do this. There's no way this person's telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. And then they are. I love it so much. It makes me yeah. so happy because normally studios don't, you know, have the stones to be like, okay, right. well, let's let's destroy yeah. the earth or whatever. Yeah, uh, exactly. Captain in the Woods, another great example of that. Yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. And it's like, man, they really leaned into that. Oh, yeah. Like, you just don't expect that just everything will be annihilated yep. at the end. That's interesting. So spoilers for that movie, whatever. Yeah, you know, it's a little <laughs> old too. Uh, well, usually I would try to lead into a sync word, uh, but I think we're just kind of also running on all cylinders here. So uh, I think we should just jump into it. So uh, we're doing it. I'm Steven. I'm David. And welcome to Let's Talk About Stuff. Uh, today we do have a, a fun topic because I guess. <laughs> uh, sure, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting for anything. Um, you and I both grew up christian evangelical christian is that what you would call it uh yeah with a dash of conservative into there i think mm -hmm, is sure i think if you're evangelical christian especially in that era odds are you're not going to be liberal (laughs) or progressive (laughs) so you probably also throw conservative yeah that's interesting yeah yeah way to say that um but yeah you and i both grew up in that in like the 90s 2000s uh kind of era and uh but we're both not in that at all anymore so uh and then that'll kind of lead into a lot of discussions hopefully so um we'll kind of see how this plays out but well let me let me ask you that i have a question right away um well i don't know maybe i should save it if that's going to be the main topic well yeah maybe we save it but uh yeah uh, you'd said you'd watch something recently i wanted to to know about that for sure that is for the topic kind of oh okay i don't don't know i don't know where exactly we're gonna go but i do have other (laughs) i do have other stuff i have other stuff that's not connected at all so i can i can mention those 
Um, they're actually two podcast, kind of two and a half, two, two and a, two and a third one, <laughs> which yeah. would be three. Uh, <laughs> uh, the first one is um, this podcast. I have I've tweeted like normally I listen to a ton of podcasts because of work and mm. uh, just I've always listened to podcasts and so. Uh, this is one, you know, normally I don't go on Twitter, social media to say, Hey, this podcast is amazing. Check it out. I might tell people about them. This is one that multiple times I've gotten on Twitter. Like it's pushed me to try to get more people to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has an audience, but also it was one of those where I'm like, this is, this is better than the, whatever the numbers this podcast has. It needs more. It deserves mm-hmm. more. It's so good. Right Have you heard of the show called dead eyes? Uh, I don't think so. It's by Headgum, uh, or they put it out. <clears throat> it's a guy named Connor Ratliff, who is a, uh, a comedian, actor. Um, he does a web show that is probably, of the things he's done, the most popular thing, called the George Lucas Talk Show, okay. where he, he plays George, like he's in characters, George <laughs> Lucas. Um, and uh, I've, I've actually never watched it, but uh-huh. he... He does other stuff. I know him through the Chris Gethard show. I'm a huge Chris Gethard show fan. Was this um, originally uh, 150, 200 episodes of it were on uh, Manhattan, uh, like local public access. And Mm. all those episodes are on YouTube. I've gone through that entire series probably six or seven times as I've worked over the years. Nice. And uh, he was kind of like a, uh, he would do get like sort of bits and characters on that show. And so (laughs) way back where I first found out about it was on the Chris Gethard show. There was a sort of like, reference on the episode uh to a real life thing that happened to him which was he had auditioned for and gotten a role in the hbo miniseries band of brothers back in like 2000 Mm -hmm. and then ultimately uh the role was taken away from him and recast (laughs) because tom hanks uh, thought that he had dead eyes, <laughs> which no. is like one of like the worst <laughs> things to hear as an actor. So it was like this funny anecdote he's told over the years. Nice. So, <clears throat> but also something that I think like, well, I know because the podcast goes into it, did create some trauma for him to where like it made him just dis- maybe a little bit more disillusioned with acting and he kind of pulled back from it. And just like, how do you like, that's not a note you can do anything about it. Yeah, man. If the nicest sucks. man in Hollywood is like, you have dead eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so the podcast is, I think the goal of it starting off was this sort of like tongue in cheek, almost satirical. It's all, it's all real. So there's not any like, you know, written satire in it, mm-hmm. but um, sort of take on stuff like serial where it's like an mm-hmm. investigative podcast and we're going to try to get into this and look at all the details and all the angles and, you know, maybe find out more about this thing that happened, but it's, it's done subtly and comedically because obviously like who cares that he lost this role 20 years ago and he knows that he doesn't care either and he's leaning into that so it starts off as that so right away it's got a pretty good hook of like you know hit this man's journey to find out why tom hanks thought he had dead (laughs) eyes 20 years ago and it becomes (laughs) it becomes this like very quickly within an episode or two it becomes this like very poignant and i think like deeply emotionally fulfilling sort of uh, <laughs> look at acting and art and and dealing with rejection and failure and stuff like that. He has a lot of great guests on like Ryan Johnson's in like the first or second episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talking to different people. And, you know, inevitably, most of these people have a connection to Tom Hanks. They either worked with him or know him through one thing or another. And then as the podcast goes on, he's talking to people from back then, his agent, the person who called him to tell him, you know, both like trying to figure out where did this come from? Did it actually come from Tom Hanks? Did it come from someone else covering? So it's this weird meld of like 
this mystery that you get wrapped up in that ultimately <laughs> is kind of stupid. Like, like awesome. no one cares that much. But then also this, like, uh, again, just, like, very um, – way more poignant and well written and well, you know, performed, even though it's nonfiction than I ever would have expected. It's so good. So I, I highly recommend it. He's, he kind of spaces the episodes out They're in like season two of it. I think he's designated mm-hmm. it now. Um, so they don't come out every week, uh, but there's probably, I don't know, 10, 12 episodes out by this point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you can feel that hopefully probably it will end with him being able to talk to Tom Hanks I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know how much they've done yet. So maybe he already has. He in the episodes, even now in the most recent one that came out this week. You know, he says, "Hey, tell your fr-, at the end of the podcast." He always says, "Tell your friends about the podcast, especially if you're friends with Tom Hanks." Like, <laughs> so it's still kind of like he hasn't made that connection yet. Uh-huh. Um, but obviously, you know, these things are recorded ahead of time. It's not like he's releasing it the day after they happen. Yeah. So yeah. they're edited and produced and all that. Uh, so it there's also that kind of excitement where it's like there could be an ending to this and it could result in him finding the answers. Um, but it's I don't know. It's sort of therapeutic too, hearing him mm-hmm. like kind of work through things. And um, but then also there's a lot of positive things. There's things that he finds out that have happened over the years um, with this particular incident that have helped his career. And he didn't even know, you know, people that helped shape things or helped, you know, bring him to where he's at. Um, so man, it's good. It's really good. It's called Dead Eyes. I highly recommend it. it that sounds so intriguing. Um, yeah. Like what a what because I, I, this show is pretty stupid. So it's like what, bringing a stupid <laughs> concept to like a, an artistic level sounds kind of nice, you know? Sure. Like what if there was a dumb podcast like this, but a good one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if it was dumb and good? well produced and yeah, and not just dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's, I great. think I think you'll dig it. They're they're short episodes. I think they're like 20, 30 minutes mo- at the most. Oh, cool. And, yeah. So it's there's definitely a focus on quality and like, you know, editing things to have maximum kind of punch and stuff. So, yeah. Um, do you want me to bring up the other one now or do you want to? Yeah, go yeah, go forth? for it. Okay. Stick with the podcast. The other one is very similar in terms of um, this kind of meld of a stupid mystery and then also comedy and, and human stuff. Uh, so the first one is called Finding Drago or find I never know how to say his last name. It's yeah. the character from Rocky Four. <laughs> Ivan <laughs> Ivan Drago. I think it's Drago. The, I the host don't know that you mentioned it, yeah. The hosts are Australian, so they always say Drago, and I can't tell if it's their their accent or what. Mm. Rocky Four is also one of the only ones I've never actually seen. I've seen all the clips and stuff, but um, Yeah. I might have when I was a kid, but I've forgotten most of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, um, I'm really recommending. That's why I kept saying like two and a half or two and a third one, which is three. Uh, really recommending the their follow up because that's the one that's currently airing. But the the first one is a must listen. You really should listen to it before this one. That one's called Finding uh, Drago. I'll say that, and it's uh, uh it's about these guys that, <laughs> that in it's their they're two friends. They're both stand ups. They're both film buffs, film nerds. They have different film podcasts they've done together. They have great chemistry. They're both really funny and they're fun to listen to. And they have uh, they had found on Wikipedia or somewhere in on the internet a reference to uh, a sort of expanded universe uh, novel sequel to Rocky Four that follows the rest of Ivan Drago's life, <laughs> uh, and it was called Drago. I think on mountains we stand is the name of this novel. <laughs> so right away they were like, "What? Like, have we never heard of this? Like, what a weird pop culture thing to exist." Yeah, yeah. So. It was written by um, uh, Noy, is the last name, N-O-Y. I'm trying to remember his first name now. If Andy's listening to this, he's going to be mad. He's listened to the series three times, so he remembers <laughs> all this stuff. Uh, but they, they 
the podcast begins again an investigative sort of serial like thing of who is this guy what is this book where did it come from and it leads into all of these even more deeper mysteries and fears that they're being messed with and like deception and people start showing up that claim to know this author and they don't know if they can believe them so it it becomes extremely funny and interesting and has probably of all the podcasts I've listened to that have these sort of like uh, like Serial, I think is a great show, but if you've listened mm-hmm. to Serial, you know, at the end of it, at least of season one, like there's an ending, but the ending is there's still stuff happening. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. there's not a catharsis necessarily that you sure. have. This show has one. Absolutely. Kick ass. Uh, and it's, it's super, again, very emotionally impactful, very funny. So that one's a must listen. Highly recommend it. Their follow up that they're doing now is called Finding Desperado. And it is uh, similar. They they found that the uh, one of them was going through their old Guinness Book of World Records from like 2000. So did you read those when you were a kid? Yeah, for sure. I had a friend that had like a bunch of them. Okay. I yeah. had, I only had like one or two, but they had back then in those days, in like the early 2000s, they were big hardcovers and they had like insanely holographic covers that were just, uh-huh. you could beam into space. So they one of those, he was looking through his old copy and the Guinness Book of World Records has the world's youngest filmmaker as this guy. Uh, man, I'm forgetting his name now too. Lord something. Um, but he, uh, the world record is that he made this film called Lexi the Wonder Dog or Lex the Wonder Dog when he was like uh, like 10 or something. Uh-huh. It's something crazy. And again, they were like, we're huge film nerds. How have we never heard of this? So similar thing. They're going down this rabbit hole of like, who is this guy? Is this real? The Guinness Book of World Records won't give them any information about it. Hmm. So they're having to go on these like other avenues and channels. That one's coming out right now. Um, so it's maybe, I think, three episodes deep, uh, three or four. And mm-hmm. it's it's not quite hit the heights of the first one yet, but it's equally as entertaining and interesting. There's not a pop culture thing that it hinges on, like Rocky, for you to have like an yeah. immediate sort of in. Um, but if you've listened to Finding Drago and enjoyed that, this this one so far is is fantastic, and they bring back some of the same people they worked with in the first season, and um, just really fun. It's it's both all of these shows are like that I've mentioned already. I think the thing that that unites all of them beyond some of the shared themes is that it's people that are really passionate about these things, mm-hmm. and sure. that is infectious. When you listen to these people, these you know these hosts talk about this stuff and you know, where these mysteries are taking them, uh, you get so wrapped up in it and you become so invested and it's, you know, kind of like very much the feeling of like the best, you know, binge worthy TV kind of stuff where you have to listen to, you know, watch the next episode, you get that same sort of vibe. So, uh, definitely recommended. That yeah, one's right very on. Australian. So if you hate Australian accents, you're not going to like it. But. <laughs> Who does? I mean, yeah, Australian accents are awesome. Uh, Lord Sydney Ling is Sydney Ling, uh, yeah. for that. And then, uh, Todd Noy. Todd Noy, thank you. Yeah, uh, which we, sounds weird when you say it fast. Todd Noy, Todd Noy, Todd Noy. That could yeah, have been you, our uh, <laughs> and you and you can. Uh, I won't spoil anything, but I have I have this uh, Drago novel on my shelf. So oh, know, I, right I, I don't know if they're still available, but you can get the book. So it's, yeah, right uh, on. It's pretty great. Um, yeah, Lord Sidney Ling. That when they start finding out stuff about him in the second season and finding Desperado. Uh, it's not quite Chuck Norris level insane, but they start finding <laughs> facts about him uh-huh. that are written down on the internet as as gospel truth. Where it's like he, he <laughs> they they crack me up because they're so they are notable, but they're so weirdly 
not impressive. So it'll be like <laughs> uh, Sidney Ling, uh, you know, he's known for Lex the Wonder Dog. He's also known for being a very fast walker. <laughs> like he can walk really, he walks everywhere really fast. Uh, and he also has really warm hands. It's like really weird stuff nice. where it feels like someone's messing with them, but they uh-huh. don't know yet. Like they're still trying to figure this out. Like, is this a prank? And if it is a prank, it's someone who's pranked the Guinness people. Like, there you go. You know, yeah. It's in the book. So, uh, story unto itself. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, you find some interesting podcasts. Yeah, I uh, some of it is just like um, when you are, you know, you know who listens to podcasts in your mm. in your circle. So when you hear one, you pass it on. I think. Yeah, for sure. I think the yeah the Finding Drago one. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember if Andy or I shared that with each other, but that's become an eerie international favorite. Dave listened to it too, mm. and so we've all become oh, fans cool. of it. Um, but then yeah, I mean it's. It's a weird thing. Like, I think it's a lot like horror where it's, uh, there's so many, like there's so many, mm-hmm. everybody has a podcast. And so, uh, it, a lot it. of times it's, <laughs> a lot of times it's, <laughs> it's just sort of, you know, recognizing the one. And I've listened to plenty of podcasts where I've done like one episode and been like, man, eh, that's enough. You know, I can't yeah. commit, but, um, yeah, these have been really good. So that's my thing with, uh, with, with our show here because, um, I don't listen to any podcasts that don't already have like thousands of listeners. Like I've never, <laughs> I've never found one or I've never like it. That's kind of like the validate the validation or whatever, like mm-hmm. the number of stars on it, obviously <laughs> right. uh, rate and review us everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny cause overall I really just want to talk to my friends on a show and just like yeah. be able to go listen to it later. And yeah. so I'm like, there's no pressure for it. Like, uh, we had a friend on recently, uh, Rob, and afterwards, when we were texting, he was like, hey, that was fun. Like, maybe you guys could, like, monetize it at some point. Like, really make some money off of this. And I was like, I don't know who the hell is going to pay me for this, man. Like, it's pretty <laughs> stupid. <laughs> that's a fun goal and all. But, like, that's also a lot more pressure. But uh, but yeah, there are, a, like, awesome stuff out there, too, to, to find, you know. Yeah. Give them a shot. No, totally. So. And uh, and it's, I think, too, the the downside is once you get super into them, you can get overwhelmed. I mean, there's been yeah. multiple times over the years where I've kind of culled my podcast down yeah. where I'm like, I've got too many, you know, every day I'd refresh my podcast app and have like eight new episodes between all the podcasts yeah. I subscribe to. And I'm like, I can't like, so, uh, yeah, it, it goes in, in waves. I used to listen yeah. to like all of the Kevin Smith's modcast. I was going to say for sure. Yeah. It became and, too overwhelming. I was like, I can't, mm-hmm. uh, it's too much now. Yeah. yeah. So, and then it becomes a thing like, like I listened to Hollywood Babylon for years Yeah, and with him and Ralph Garman and, uh, fell out of it long enough that when I came back and just jumped back into the newest episodes, at least back then, that show was so reliant on on inside jokes. Every episode, they would add mm. some sort of inside joke or reference, and it felt like a totally different podcast. And I was like, oh, well, I guess my run's done. I can't, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I'm never listening to this again. Like, I'm not going to be able to understand anything. So I just gave yeah, up. I had, a, I had a little run with Babylon that I listened to, but um, not like consistently, but um, I, I was in that range with him whenever he... He had done like a red state podcast. Yeah. That was uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what kind of got me mostly into it. But then I was red state to of the s- union, I think is what it was yeah, called. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah. And I was listening to like his regular smog cast. And then he had like plus one with his wife when he yeah. started doing like a morning show. And I listened to that for a while. Yeah. And after that, it started ballooning more and more. And I was like, oh my God, there's so much that I have to stop. Yeah. All of them. Uh, and he pulled back too. I think he knew. Yeah. Cause he had, he had like having sex with Katie Morgan. He had, yeah. uh, the, 
then he had some that would have him on sometimes like there was a comic book one there was a hockey one mm-hmm. like and then he pulled it back to like five you know and yeah okay it, there you go but then even then i think it's grown since then so it's yeah crazy. i don't listen to any of them and now i kind of do the wtf thing where i don't listen to it weekly but every like three months i'll go back th- scroll through and if there's a guest i recognize or like there i might go. download one random one yeah that's what yeah. i do with uh with smodcast now yeah and that's cool enough i mean um I, I know there's good content there and everyone I listen to of Kevin Smith's, I mean, he's just fun to listen to. So yeah, yeah, they worked. I was just like, like you said, it was like opening up your podcast app and there was eight hours of podcast from Kevin Smith, alone, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I have no time for anything. Something's got to change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, but it was good times. I liked, I liked listening to him yeah. uh, on a lot of stuff. So well, uh, let's see. Um, oh, so I watched a, a show I wanted to bring up okay. uh, from Netflix called Living With Yourself with Paul Rudd. Uh, Is this the one this where there's like a clone or something? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I was going to say, I didn't actually know. I didn't really watch a trailer before this. I didn't know how much was really known. So you, I'm glad you said that. I remember I when it came out. It. Yeah, yeah. And a little like I think I saw a trailer and then maybe there was some like um, like talk show spots he did oh, to yeah. promote it or whatever but i never i never ended up watching i think i heard it was good i, I don't remember yeah it was bad yeah it's cool uh i'm just a huge paul rudd fan and he's yeah, he's, he's great. great in it like he's great in everything else um and so and it's fun to, to see anybody kind of play against themselves uh, as mm-hmm. like two different characters or whatever but um uh, this one makes me think of it's not necessarily dark but it has like darker turns but it's like a, a dark multiplicity okay. sort of right like yeah. he kind of inadvertently starts like a, has like a clone and then they have to like figure out how to live together or whatever so it's just um, two then there's two of them yeah just two of them though yeah okay. which i kept thinking like the the finale was gonna pop up a third like multiplicity yeah, and yeah. it didn't happen um but uh it does kind of lead into like a second season but it, it does kind of um feel feel good for an ending um but it's did they it's do a second season sorry did they do a second season there? I think that it just came out like the, the end of last year. Um, oh, okay. It did. So that for the first one. So, mm-hmm. um, I think the second one is hopefully being made. Oh, I see. Um, okay. About yeah. now, but I don't, I'm not Pandemic sure. Pandemic probably really out. jacked with that too. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, basically like Paul Rudd is, is just like an everyday schlub and he, he hates his job. He's been stuck there for a long time. And then he, a, a guy starts like, um, just knocking out of the park at work and he just like looks alive and good or whatever and paul rudd asks him about it and he's like yeah go to the spa he gives him like a card and then you'll feel like refreshed and your life will be better and paul mm-hmm. rudd goes and does it and then comes back and he's like yeah i'm so much better and then his old self comes up too and is like hey i like you're a clone and we're we're both here now or whatever and That's then they kind of have to deal with it yeah. um and it's good it's like uh it's it's funny but it's like a it's like drama too and there there's some like darker or more like uh harder life things going on in it there's like a a, he has like a wife involved that's like an issue or whatever they're trying to have a baby so that's an issue or whatever Mm. but um they're quick you know it's like 30 minutes i think there's like 10 episodes in the season okay Um, or maybe even shorter it might have been like eight um so it goes by pretty fast yeah but uh but i really enjoyed it uh like i said anything with paul rudd in it i really like so oh yeah um, me too he's just he's just fucking charming yeah um and even when and he's also like schlub, and also immortal you know, isn't he yeah, like exactly 80 right. years yeah. old 
or something. He looks like he's 30. It's crazy. Yeah. It's funny because the schlubby one, you know, really works. uh, But whenever they show him, basically it looks like they like comb his hair up and then he has like his (laughs) posture is fixed. And it's like a totally different person. And he just looks like a god, you know. Uh, But yeah, that dude never ages. It's insane. But uh, but yeah, it's been it's good. And I, I hope the. The next season will will be uh, good as well and, and be Greenland and everything. But um, but yeah, it was I don't really have much to say about it without like spoiling it. Like I said, I didn't okay. even know if it was like spoiling it to say that it was a clone. <laughs> I no, really I don't think no so. clue. I rem- yeah, I remembered that off the top of my head. I don't. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I like this is one of the I mean, it happens all the time, but this is one of those like downsides of the era we live in now is that a hundred percent forgot about it. Like I totally right. Yeah. I I remember when it came out thinking, Oh, that looks cool. It's probably in my queue already. I probably added it back then and just completely forgot. I might've actually, I'm trying to think of when I watched it the other day, it either popped up again as like something they thought it would like on Netflix or it was in my queue and I had just scrolled far enough again to find it. (laughs) And it was like one of those mornings I was just like, fuck it. I'll put this on, you know? And then I was like hooked and it is quick. So I don't know if if this is because I'm older now or if it's because um, of what we're talking about. Uh, but the other day there was on Shutter there was a uh, may, what's it called? May the devil take you. Yeah, two. Take you two. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I saw that I was like, okay, I know that director Timo. Uh, I forget how you say his last name, but he was he's in the mm. raid movies. Um, oh, okay. or maybe just the first one he's, uh, then he directed a couple different raid esque movies and then some horror movies. I like him. He's in, I think he's Indonesian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, Oh, okay. It's a sequel. Oh, maybe, uh, maybe I need to watch the first one first. Shutter didn't have it. Yeah. I looked it up on letterboxd and, uh, I had seen it, rated it and given it a full review <laughs> and I did not remember. So I was like, okay. So then I was like, wait, oh, maybe man. it's that one that has this, this, uh, scare gag in it. That was great. And I looked that up and I was like, nope, that was Satan Slaves, which is another, I think, Indonesian horror movie that I, I really yeah. like. Uh, so it was on Netflix. So I went and pulled it up on Netflix, watched the first 20, 30 minutes. I have zero memory of it. And I, I don't know. It kind of scared me. <laughs> it was like, how much <laughs> stuff am I forgetting now? Well, right. yeah, but like, but I figured it would start coming back. And Amanda was like, you yeah. don't remember this? There's like a woman floating and a goat shows up. And I was like, nothing. I don't remember any of this. Oh, my God. So, And it was like last year, the year before. It wasn't that long ago. Like, wow. So I don't know. Man, yeah, just total time lapse. Interesting. I uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I kept hearing about May the Devil Take You Too because it's T-O-O. Yeah. And I just saw that as like a, you know, a Shudder movie. And I almost watched that because people were just like, this is a good new Shudder movie. I had mm-hmm. no idea there was a first movie. Yeah. And I feel like that might be important. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, Maybe I not. To watch I, that. I don't Maybe remember. Not, it. So, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, Timo... It's like Tijanto or Tijanto yeah. or... Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have a, yeah, hard time pronouncing names from the, from like Japan and Korea. Oh, yeah, me too. It's, yeah, and I, I feel bad for it every time, but it, I look at it and it's just like, there's a T-J-A-H? I don't yeah. know what sound that's supposed to make. <laughs> you just uh, kind of resign yourself to the fact that like, <laughs> yeah. this is going to sound offensive, I'm sure. I'm exactly, not leaning yeah, into so it. I just am doing my best. <laughs> he made, I'm trying to remember, he's oh, made man. a few movies now that have titles that are feel almost designed to not be remembered. And mm. I don't mean that in a in a in a dickish way, but just like like the one fighting like action movie is called like you know, The Night Takes You Over Time or like it's, there's it's like, like a, yeah, there's there's Killers. It's not there's that one. Headshot. 
then there's the night comes for us. The night comes for us. That's it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one that I'm a big fan of the raid movies. And that was the one where people were like, they finally outdid the raid. It's better than the raid movies. And I watched and I was like, you guys need to calm down. This is a good movie, but it's not better yeah. than the raid movies. The raid movies are fucking great. Yeah. And he's yeah. in, he's the, if I'm not mistaken, or no, 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 wait, I'm mixing it up. I think he, um, the lead in that night takes us or whatever uh-huh. is the like captain in the first raid movie that goes in oh, and okay. leads, leads the team. Uh, but then, he is friends with, or the director is friends mm-hmm. with, or knows Gareth Evans or Gareth Edwards, yeah. uh, who made the Raid movies. Mm-hmm. I always forget. Um, Evans, yep. Evans, and then mm-hmm. they co-directed. Did you watch the VHS movies, the horror movies? I've seen parts of them. Yeah, I see he's on VHS two. Yeah, VHS two has this amazing yeah. segment where it's this cult that like summons Ooh. the son of Satan, and it's super violent, and it's by mm-hmm. Gareth Evans, and then this Timo guy. So they kind of made that together and it's also Indonesian and sort of like mixes the crazy violent gun gore of uh, the raid with like horror, supernatural horror. It's really good. Yeah, right on. I I I don't remember that segment. I remember I've seen part. I think I've seen the first VHS and I feel like I've seen parts of two, but I don't remember that. That that sounds like that would kind of stick with me. It was. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the best of them. All of them. I think there's only one that I watched that most of them weren't great. All of them have like one standout one at least. Yeah, um, but that's yeah, the thing anyway. is I love like anthology things and uh, horror is there's a lot of you know choices there. But oh, then it's, it's, yeah. it's like I remember watching with the first VHS and I was like, well, this this one story was kind of cool, but I don't really like anything else. And so it's like <laughs> you, it's it's like, oh, well, that one story there is neat. But if you're not getting the whole movie, then I just haven't like revisited it yet. But it's like yeah. if I just had that as a short movie, I'd probably watch it more. But it said like that, right. you know, save yeah. somewhere or whatever. But um yeah i should give that another shot too um i'm glad that you mentioned that though again because i would have totally just watched that sequel and then maybe it wouldn't have mattered but maybe it would have been i would have been like what the fuck is happening <laughs> and other people were like yeah this is obviously you know there's a whole other movie to, to revisit here right interesting well um did you want to kind of move in to to the main topic of course. Is that cool? Why wouldn't um, I want to talk about some of my childhood trauma? <laughs> well, and before we get to that, there there is something traumatic I have to I have to mention that uh, people have been emailing us about. They've been um, writing in Twitter. Uh, we've gotten flooded with with comments. Um, uh, yes, Brent is not on the show anymore. Uh, David has taken over for Brent. Uh, yeah, I honestly forgot that Brent was on the show, much like I forgot that movie. So I'm glad you brought this up. There you go. <laughs> You're like, Brent who? I've never, yeah. I don't think well, I have any friends about? named Brent. I, I got you now. Yeah. Uh, and we're sorry, Brent, because we know um, your birthday is coming up soon. <laughs> and um, happy birthday, but you're not on the show anymore. <laughs> I apologize. A- acknowledge it in the middle of it. So yeah. happy birthday, but. <laughs> yeah, it's like a birthday card you're writing out and you're like, hey, bud. <laughs> you just turned 30 whatever i don't know how old bren is um is he that young I don't yeah know. I we, think, we needed yeah, some younger something. blood in the show anyway so <clears throat> i'm not like, trying to diss him on his way out but i mean but i mean sometimes you, you gotta, gotta work on pocket we just talked about it. how many people yeah. drop podcasts all the time you gotta keep it fresh exactly and that's what we're kind of we're trying to move in a new direction um specifically a mix of creed and dinosaurs so far <laughs> is the new <laughs> New vibe. And, yeah, and then some some old school Christianity. <laughs> we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, it's a good. I'm mix. Not gonna love this. Yeah. Um. But you know, Brent, we wish you West the best uh, in your new endeavors, whatever they should be. Um, yeah. Good luck. 
yeah we'll leave it at that i think that's that's fine we don't yeah. want to rub it in anymore no and and we've acknowledged it we can all move on we don't have to talk yeah. about it anymore or have it be something that's lingering exactly so i watched the uh the the fresh prince of bel-air reunion on hbo max this week Ooh. Mm-hmm. and they it's like when they bring in the old aunt viv <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they're like, we have to acknowledge that you were a part of this. Thank you. Uh, and then the rest of the special, they're like, there's only this Aunt Viv now, though. Oh, amazing! <laughs> so. I wondered about that. I saw it on uh, at HBO Max, and um, I-, I hadn't known anybody that had seen it yet. Was it worth it? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's maybe a little long. It depends on how much you liked Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I all of the moments and things that they talk about and throw mm-hmm. to, I I remembered all of them. Surprisingly, yeah, right I, on. I I watched it a lot as a kid. Sure. Amanda remembered maybe 20% of like specific moments and she mm. watched it too, but apparently not as much. So, um, I think but I it's watched like, it a lot. I, I don't know. We'd, I'd have to yeah, see I it. wasn't sure. I felt like I had, but then I was yeah. like, maybe they're going to reference stuff. I don't remember. And I, I did. Um, so it's like an hour and 10 hour, 15 minutes long. It probably could have been like eh, 45. Yeah. Um, it, Toward the end, I feel like any kind of time they do reunions or like retrospectives, the last like 15 minutes always drag the most because it's just everybody jerking each other off, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. But uh, that has this too, where at the end, it's just kind of, you're like, we get it. You guys loved it. We loved it too. Let's go. (laughs) It's, and that goes on for like 10 minutes. Um, But the, and it's very, it's very feel good. Um, Yeah. So, but I mean, that's, I think that's kind of what you want when you're for something like this, you're wanting Especially to see everybody year, yeah. again and them see each other. And so, yeah, if you like the show, if you don't have a connection to the show, it's not worth it. But if you, if you like the show, I think it's, it's worth the watch. The Aunt Viv thing, as much as I joke about it was good. You can tell that there's, it was probably a way more complicated than they can talk about. Mm. So it's this sort of uneasy thing of like two people making peace in front of cameras. So right away you're like, yeah. okay, this is sort of, you know, outside of reality. Um, but then there are things that aren't said where you're like, I don't know where, what really happened here. Like, Mm. and you can, even with the little amount of information you can, that you have, you can kind of see it from both sides. Like if she was, um, you know, I don't want to say being difficult because they really talk about how like that was very harmful when people were, she was like, when you classify me as a black woman in Hollywood as being difficult to work with, that killed my career. You know, like she had Mm. no more work after that. So I don't want to say that, but like if, if there were legitimate problems with working her, with her, Will Smith's mm-hmm. not going to bring that up during this apology segment of them, yeah. you know, making up. But then also from her perspective, I'm like, yeah, you're probably 20 years older than this kid back in the nineties who is getting everything he wants because it's mm-hmm. Will Smith and he's huge. That had to have sucked and been super annoying. Like to have someone so much younger, basically be in charge of everything. Yeah. So it's this weird thing we're trying to navigate it of like, all right, maybe just hug it. Let's move on. Like we're, <laughs> we're not going to get to the bottom of this. Uh, but it's very positive, very upbeat. Uh, the stuff about uncle Phil is great. Like they, mm. they clearly all, uh, a- James Avery was his name. I think Yeah, they all have, or seemingly it seems authentic. They all had, uh, have a lot of love and respect for him and, and yeah. admiration. And, um, the stories that they tell about him were, were really nice and, you know, get you misty eyed and stuff. So yeah, if you've got HBO max, I would say check it out. Yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah. I don't want to ruin the podcast you mentioned earlier, but was it that the original Aunt Viv had dead eyes? 
<laughs> was that was that, that it? Was it. <laughs> Will Smith yeah. was like, she's got dead eyes. <laughs> Let's get some lively eyes in here. <laughs> I mean, the two people in the world that I would least likely, you know, want to have told I have dead eyes are Tom Will Hanks Smith and Will Tom Smith, Hanks. right? Two yeah. of the most charming men in the in our entertainment yeah. industry, right? So that would that be hurtful. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I I'm curious a lot of your upbringing, and I want to get into mine as well. Yeah. For uh, for our, our Christian upbringing, but. Um, I have a, a show and tell for a little bit later as well. Oh, sweet. That I, I dug out for okay. uh, when we talk about A Walk to Remember. Uh, fantastic. That, we'll definitely have to talk about that. But uh, to start it off, I am curious. Uh, you and I have kind of talked a little bit about this outside of the show, um, just like text and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I was wondering, too, like I, I started going to church in like third grade. We had moved uh, nearby a church that my grandparents went to. That's when I started getting into that. Um, and I grew up United Methodist. Okay. Um, and I was curious of uh, your background and when you got into it, because I got into it when I was a little bit older, um, mm-hmm. but still young enough to kind of get hooked. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. What, what was your background, man? Uh, birth. So all right, right away. So my parents met. Um, actually, just got to go earlier this year. Uh, I say earlier this year. It was like last month or month before. To um, my sister got married and she lives in Maine, and so we we drove up. Amanda and I drove up there. And after the wedding, um, my dad and, and I and our Amanda and, and, and Hannah, my sister, um, and then our spouses, we drove to the campgrounds where my parents met. So they met when my dad was 16 and my mom was 21. <laughs> so she was five oh, years old. <laughs> and so um, and it was a good trip. It was my mom died three years ago. So it, it oh, was the first time I mean. he had been there since since they met. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time the kids had ever seen it. We'd always heard about this camp in New Hampshire that they met at and stuff. So anyway, I won't go through my entire family history, but they, <laughs> they already had a connection to each other through Christian stuff. It was a Christian camp. My dad, I think by that point or yeah, by that point, or maybe shortly after had already sort of felt a calling to, um, be a pastor, be a missionary, mm-hmm. do something with his life, uh, in, in, you know, in a religious capacity, Um, and so they, uh, I remember, um, when I was a kid, I remember some of the earliest memories I have are growing up in like dorms because my dad was in seminary. So we Uh, had housing that was like dorm housing, but it was for like families and stuff. Uh Um, and so my dad was a pastor, uh, I mean, right away. So I don't have any memories where it wasn't Christianity wasn't a part of it. Gotcha. And then for the ages of probably like six to eight, maybe a little bit younger than that potentially uh we were on pre-field so my parents had decided to become missionaries so mm. pre-field is the like year or two before you leave where you go around to churches wherever you can get to and basically put on your song and dance and say you know hey we're trying to go to this country here's mm-hmm. where we're going to be here's what we're going to be doing uh will you support us and like a monthly you know, that church will then take you on on a monthly basis and send a certain amount of money to support you Um, so we, our home church was in Wisconsin and they, the deal that they, I can't remember if it was with them or if it was with the, the organization, which was ABWE association of Baptists for world evangelism. So we were Baptists. So whatever it was, they fronted half and then we had to raise the second half. Mm -hmm. So, uh, memories of going to church, different church every week. Um, I've got two younger sisters. So my younger sister, Hannah, the one that just got married, she's three years younger we would do like we would sing a solo together or something at the church or my dad and I would do a skit or whatever. 
Um, my mom will play piano. She's this amazing pianist. So like we, we all had kind of things that we did. And then the week that I turned nine, we moved to Brazil. So we were missionaries Damn. in Brazil in Recife, which is this, this city right on the equator, right under the equator at the time was like three and a half million people. So it was a big city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were there with one gap where you, after three or four years, you come back to the States for a year for furlough and then you mm. go back and serve another term. Um, had a break in there, but basically from then, which what would that have been? 98 from like 98 to 2004. Um, uh, we were in mission, we were in Brazil. Um, so never, you know, the location changed, the circumstances mm-hmm. changed, the language changed, but always, you know, my dad was a pastor. My mom was mm-hmm. pretty much always, uh, playing piano and like the worship team. Um, eventually I was playing guitar in the, in the worship teams and stuff. I learned guitar in Brazil. Um, and then when we moved back to America permanently in 2004, that was when we moved to Indiana. My dad took on a, a job as a pastor uh, in this tiny town called Gas City um, of like, I don't know, like 5,000 people or something. And uh, that's where I met Amanda and went to high school. And mm-hmm. um, we've basically been, you know, in this kind of area since. My dad still lives there. Um, gotcha. And so it's always been, always been a constant. My connection to it has changed primarily I think primarily with the organized religion aspect Mm -hmm. um I've never lost my faith now it's changed I I I interact and view I interact with and view that stuff differently than I did Mm -hmm. growing up um I went through a, a pretty big section of turmoil with organized religion and just basically saying I'm done with church it sucks there's nothing good about it I'm out Mm-hmm. And didn't go to church for a long time. Um, which And those years were kind of rough because Amanda still went to church. So she'd go to church every week okay. by herself. And it was in the early years of our marriage. And that stemmed from my dad and the other pastors. There was like a schism in that church in Gas City. Mm. And so uh, my dad and the other pastors were trying to be a little bit more, I wouldn't even call it progressive because that sounds political, but just like active in helping people who needed help, which seems like Jesus seems kind of basic, <laughs> basic Christianity, <laughs> <out> here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like wanting to help people in the community and the poor. And mm-hmm. there was an old guard in the church that was very old school. That was basically like churches for members and for the people that are here. Uh, we don't deviate from that. We don't do stuff like that. Mm, and so, yeah. So, I had pretty good reason to basically be like yeah. peace and throw my middle fingers up at church and be gone. Uh, and it, it took a while for me to get back to the point of like, okay, I had good upbringings with, with aspects of church when I was a kid, mm-hmm. there are good things that can come out of it. Uh, I can't write off everything. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where I'm at now. I go not now during the pandemic, but before like we, we take, we found a church that, that we like and don't have any problems with and we stay, we don't get involved. That was one thing with, I told Amanda right away. I was like, I'm never getting involved again. I'm not going to play in worship teams. I'm not going to like the moment you start finding out things and hearing things and getting like it, it for me, at least I got to be out. Yeah. yeah. I got to be out of it. Um, but having Daniel be raised in it, you know, Mm -hmm. we're comfortable with this place in terms of like, okay, he's going to learn positive values. He's going to learn good things. And that'll be something that I'll keep an eye on as he gets older too. And like, you know, Hey, what'd you learn about today? And just being very cognizant of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, for me, we found a, 
my dad has kind of basically converted to like Orthodox Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, which I made fun of him for a long time because I always thought it seemed like I, I didn't know anything about it. So I just yeah, really I was really like, oh, your new it. age Christianity thing that you love so much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I, I actually do like it after I found out more about it. It's basically just like they haven't changed anything tradition or or setup wise from the ancient church. So um, with like Jesus and the disciples and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's primarily sung. Not all of it's in English. Uh, mm. It almost when you go in, it almost feels kind of Catholicy, sort of in terms mm-hmm. of the the way things are set up. There is a sermon, but it's like 10, 15 minutes long. Uh, there's communion every week, mm-hmm. and I found way more connection to that as an adult. I think because it took out all of the all of the stuff I'll probably be making fun of on this episode. <laughs> all of the like corporate branding. American evangelical aspects of it are gone. It doesn't exist and it hasn't existed yeah. in the Orthodox church. Cause they've never, they've never bought into that. It's, it's mm-hmm. stayed with this tradition. Um, and they also really embrace the idea of like, we don't know everything and we can't. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, there's faith involved. Sure. But there's not this, uh, they, they don't have in the Orthodox church, at least my basic understanding of it. They don't have this like reliance on, we have the Bible. That's literal truth. We don't have mm-hmm. any questions because we have all the answers right here. The Orthodox Church is saying there's mystery in this stuff, and that's great. We can't know everything. We'll never yeah. know everything. Maybe someday, but we have to kind of embrace that and do and and constantly be learning and constantly be trying to do good for others and help other people, et cetera, et cetera. So that jives more kind of where I'm at. We yeah. I really liked going to that church. It's not a great church for kids. Um, Mm -hmm. so like that was kind of the one thing where we were like, let's, let's maybe take him to a different church. That's going to have a more active kids program and stuff like that. Um, that's basically it. I mean, there's tons of deviate, like you could, I could talk about it forever and I feel like I already have, sorry, but no, um, this is fascinating because it's way more than I expected with, uh, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't realize your, um, your dad was like a pastor and you guys were like missionaries and play that. Like whenever you and I were talking, I thought that's like way different than my experience, but you and I have such similar experiences. So that's like, that's interesting. The culture is, yeah, the culture is, I think is, was so much the same. Um, the, after that stuff happened with my dad, he, to wrap that up really fast, he went to, uh, another, he was a past, and this is the thing about my dad. I've never met anyone other than than these, these old people at these churches that he's had run-ins with because he's, I guess, too nice have disliked him. Everybody loves my dad. They meet him. You know, everybody's like, your dad's like the nicest part, like the best person mm-hmm. I've ever met. He's the reason why I was so scared to have kids for, for a long time because, and still kind of am because I was like, I can't live up to that. Like I can't live up to my dad's like the <laughs> yeah. best dad ever. Nice. Uh, so he, he didn't continue to seek out pastoral roles, but he would be at new churches and very quickly people would hear him talk mm-hmm. in small groups or Bible studies or whatever, and be like, will you come, you know, help lead. And so he helped at another church for a while. Similar thing. There was a schism. There was a power yeah. struggle. Wasn't him. There was already stuff going down. Yeah. Uh, but so they were kind of like continuously getting, I think, a little bit more disillusioned with like, and, and in that case, it was bivocational. So he had a day job, but then was helping basically uh, because he felt, you know, he felt called to. He also felt, you know, kindness to help these churches or whatever. They had a bad experience at one church and then probably in the middle of that fallout or toward the end was when my mom died. And I think for him, he was like, I'm, I, I I'm not going to do this stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, he had always had, uh, felt a, a calling to be a chaplain. Um, mm-hmm. he, when nine 11 happened, we were in on furlough back in America and he tried to sign up as an army chaplain. He had always kind of yeah. had an interest in that. 
and couldn't because he had um, really bad migraines back then. So they, they uh, couldn't clear him, which was a huge crushing kind of disappointment for him. Um, but he found a program uh, after my mom died to become a hospital chaplain, went through that. Hmm. And then now he does that full time. So he's, oh nice, uh, and he loves it. I mean, he's, yeah, he's able to not be kind of confined to like the politics of being yeah. a pastor and everything else. Um, he's able to help people on a daily basis. It freaks me out because now of course he gets a full-time job at a hospital right before yeah, COVID right. hit. Yeah. Um, and the other day I was yelling at him because he, I was like, you're not in with COVID patients. Are you? He was like, uh, yeah, but I'm wearing stuff. I was like, do you, do you have to be like, I don't feel like you have to be <laughs> yeah. as the chaplain. And he's like, well, I feel like those are the people that need me the most. He's like, I don't want to stand outside their door. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I get it, dad. But also you can't help it's him if you're dead. Like, <laughs> so like <laughs> yeah. I've been getting mad at him lately, but I mean, it kind of, it's a good example of how he is and the yeah. kindness and compassion he has for people. So, um, so yeah, the, the, that aspect of it until very recently has always been constant. My dad's always been a pastor. I've always been, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so around and engulfed in the culture, even if yeah. he, he was, ne- whenever I had doubts about anything, whenever I had questions or concerns or like things I didn't like about Christianity or about the church, um, he never, uh, pushed back or, or disagreed with me or, or, you know, said, mm-hmm. well, no, we don't, we don't, you don't think that, or you don't question that. Um, so it's weird because I, I've had, I've come out relatively unscathed because I had, my parents as people who, even though we were in the culture, weren't like, no, 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 you can't ask questions. You can't, you know, and I think for a lot of people that was the case and that's why they yeah. rejected, you know, have rejected understandably Christianity so hard. I think that's the only reason why I still have an aspect of my life that has faith that mm-hmm. feels authentic and connected, even though it's different now, yeah. uh, is just because I never had anyone telling me, no, 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 you have to do this. And mm-hmm. I, I had examples in my life with my parents uh, where it was like, okay, this can be something that can be harnessed and used in a very positive way that helps people. And it doesn't mean that if my dad didn't have Christianity, I don't believe that it would mean he's a bad guy. I don't think if, you know, for atheists and, you know, people say, well, if you don't have God, how are you able to figure out right and wrong? And atheists are like, I know not to kill someone. Like I I don't need, (laughs) I don't need Jesus for that. I don't think that it's solely that. Uh, but I think, um, I think my dad's been a good example of like, okay, there can be some positives here mm-hmm. um, and and that can be something that you can take away and and go with that you might be able to help other people or you know find find peace and love and acceptance for yourself yeah. and for others through this thing so we've kind of had I've wanted to do a podcast with my dad forever because oh yeah we've kind of always had this like sort of fringy christianity thing where it's like you know we don't believe homosexuality is a sin. We don't believe gay people are going to hell. Like mm-hmm. I've, my dad and I both have tattoos. Like I don't drink all the time, but I drink sometimes. Like there's all this stuff that for a lot of this culture and conservative Christianity would be like deal breakers that we yeah. don't buy into. So it's, it's this kind of, and I think as time's gone on, there's been more and more people like that. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's, it's easier to find people that are kind of on the fringes than it used to be. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's why I, I always say like, I'm, I would call myself a Christian, but I also kind of hate Christians. <laughs> like it's this yeah. kind of weird thing. And the culture isn't at a place. The association isn't at a place where I, I don't feel compelled to add caveats to it because yeah. I know how much harm Christianity has done. And I, I know, you know, one of my best friends is gay and, mm-hmm. and like, I love her so much. She's like one of the people I'm closest to in my life and her and her wife. And 
right like early on in our friendship after because I knew her in high school and then she came out after and we reconnected mm-hmm. later one of the first things I wanted to say and I waited until we had hung out a couple times was to be like I need you to know that I accept you be- like I, that was the thing that right. I had so much fear of yeah. is she knew me in high school she knew my dad was a pastor she knew I was at a church I don't want her to think I hate her yeah. and that's a problem if if your religion if you have to do that yeah yeah if your religion if people are going to assume sure. that so I'm talking way too much. Sorry. That's uh, that's for now. I that's love it. it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we're going to hit on a lot of points. So this okay. is good. Uh, one of which is that I grew up, like I said, I started uh, later in life. My mom like had kind of been religious and stuff. I guess she was the whole time. I just didn't realize it. We would go mm-hmm. to church on like Easter right. and Christmas yeah. maybe Christmas. or whatever, yeah. you know, but, uh, but then we started actually going uh, more regularly to this one church and it and it I like what you said because there were good experiences and I I'm still on a stage and I have been for a long time where I'm really like just anti-christianity and mm-hmm. and I also kind of just got like anti-organized religion for a long time yeah and uh we don't have kids and you and I've talked about this how uh you know you guys have one and you're like that's good but like you're, you kind of <laughs> get it get that as well and yeah uh, my wife has talked about you know um if we had kids though like she would want them to have that community and stuff. Um, but she also, her story is way more intriguing to me and, and her, talking to her folks and, uh, and her, uh, as well really opened my eyes because, um, she and I met at 16. I kind of got her into the Christianity thing. I got her baptized at our church. Like she got really into it, but she grew up, um, Unitarian okay. and Unitarians, like her church was basically like a school. They made yeah. like, they had like a female pastor on their team and like they marry gay people and like they're open to everything and like they have wiccans there they have everybody there it's 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 more about like here's a bunch of religions nobody knows anything right take your pick these are the goods and the bads you know like don't believe everything full full you know full heartedly or whatever i don't know like it it for anyone listening who doesn't know baptists would look at that and be like "Uh, we know (laughs) it is a sin don't worry we've got the list (laughs) also we grew up with a lot of baptists in oklahoma uh most of my friends were uh i have friends obviously from church and stuff that i grew up with but like i had a bunch of baptist friends in, in tulsa and um one of them at one point had a book. I remember this from a, a party um, after high school, but we were still in that in that zone. And they had a book about different religions. Right. And there was a chapter about Wiccans. And their church told them to not read that chapter because if they did, they might become witches. That's how it happens. That's how they and get I, you. <laughs> and I, I remember being at that party being like, yeah, that's that's smart advice. D- definitely do not educate yourself because you will get sucked into the devil's playpen. You know, like I remember like feeling that way, which is oh, such yeah. a silly notion. Yeah. Uh, and my wife, meanwhile, grew up being like uh, Wiccans just, you know, like they're just all about like nature and balance. Yeah, and they love stuff. trees. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like and she actually had a friend in college who was a Wiccan and became like really good friends with her and stuff. So she's always been a lot more open minded. And that kind of helped me. Right. Uh, but to your point about your friend, uh, my brother is gay. And whenever he came out, whenever he was in college and I was still like I was like 14 maybe or whatever. And I was super into that Christian world. And it mm. really kind of blew everything up for me. And that was really like a catalyst yeah. for me to kind of question everything Yeah. and be like, uh, everybody talks about like they hate him and he is the nicest person in the world. My brother yep. Danny is like a ball of sunshine. Yeah. And the fact that anybody could just outright hate him, you know, was like mind boggling. And and that, that really threw me to be like, I don't want to associate with these people. Yeah. 
anymore if that's the way it's going to be and i feel the same way like you said like you you feel like you have to and uh, you know apologize for that or like be like well yeah. i'm not like those people and that's such a weird i, I don't want to be a part of any group that you have to do that in you know yeah it totally seems, seems like you should be able to and in this day and age especially like okay we move past that you know and i think also so. for me it's changed like i think a big part of the conservative christian culture evangelical christian culture is this whole idea especially back then and maybe still is i don't know uh of like you know uh, you and I were talking on on over text a couple weeks ago about those like Christian pop culture T-shirts that would be yes. you know, that would be like <laughs> instead of Coca Cola it would be like Jesus Christ like in the logo and it'd be like refreshingly delicious like it would be like super weird oh, goofy man, pop culture so melds but yeah. that was a big part of a lot of evangelical Christianity. I think we were growing up was this whole idea of like, yeah. not only are we Christians, that's like the main part of my identity. I need everyone mm-hmm. to know. I, like, I, I want to make sure like I'm, I'm proud of this. I, you know, and DC talk did that whole Jesus freak thing where it's like, I'm not yeah. ashamed to admit I'm a Jesus freak. Like I'm going to wear it on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. And the, where I'm at now is I'm just like, I don't tell people I'm a Christian, not because I'm, I'm ashamed but because like, when is it ever relevant? Almost yeah. never. Like it is yeah. almost never relevant to me to be like, uh, by the way, I believe in Jesus. Like <laughs> yeah. I, there's, there's different aspects to that. I think it's one of the most interesting and fascinating things to talk about now yeah. with people who want to talk about it. Not because I'm trying to convert anybody, but because we're talking about stuff that has to do with spirituality, mm-hmm. uh, potentially history. Um, you know, there's, sure. this, there's historical things that meld with some of the stuff. There, then there's the big questions that everybody can have of like, mm-hmm. you know, did we come from something? What happens after this? Things that we don't know for sure that people have different opinions on. That stuff is great to talk about. But if I'm like, if somebody's, you know, like, hey, do you want a beer? I'm not like, I can't because of Jesus. You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, a, a sure. <laughs> but if yeah. I did feel that way, it's like, no, I'm fine. Like, I don't have to. I don't feel compelled to bring this up. And I think that was such a, I don't know. I think that's been one of the things that's been so detrimental. One of the things I like the most when I do have new friends who I get close to is when they're surprised to hear that I have some sort of faith system. Um, and specifically with Christianity, Mm -hmm. not, I'm not proud of it in the sense that I'm like, I'm proud that I hide it so well, but I'm proud that like, I'm, I'm a counter example of what they would assume because you know, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I'm uh, even talking about it. It makes it seem like I, I put a lot of thought into it and I don't, it's, it's such yeah. a personal thing. Like, you know, this, this kind of helps shape how I might think about the universe or I might think about cosmic stuff. And I don't mean science cause I fully believe in science, but just in, you know, ideas of spirituality of faith, mm-hmm. whatever. But that's like, that's me. That's not what I think other people should think or believe yeah. or whatever else. And I would say at this point, the older I get, the higher this number rises, but I'm at like 92% for me where I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like I, and yeah. that's fine. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to know. And uh-huh. there are ways that I can try to maybe structure some of this to learn to be a better person for myself. But at the end of the day, like I have no idea and that's okay. Yeah. Like that's cool. And it's, the thing that I watched this week is the opposite of that. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about it. It is mind blowingly crazy. Um, but I, I do love that aspect of it. I, I love the idea. And again, that's why I think I resonated with the Orthodox church so much mm-hmm. with that particular thing is just the, you know, it's almost like the inverse of uh, like Lovecraftian fiction. So like HP Lovecraft and mm-hmm. has become a more pop culture thing now, obviously with Cthulhu and all that. But the, the whole idea in H.P. Lovecraft for a lot of the cosmic terror is that 
it, it is so beyond what our minds can even comprehend that 90% of his protagonists see something, their mind basically just breaks. Like they can't mm. even process it. And what, you know, what are we to these, these gods that we're not even ants. We're like specks of dust under ants feet. Like there's, there's such a distance, you know, that's the mm-hmm. scary part of it. In a lot of ways, I think I, at this point I view Christianity and faith and a lot of this stuff as the opposite of that to where it's like, we're never going to know, or maybe, or like, I, I have no idea. I'm never going to know any of these questions right now. Yeah. And so I'm going to do what I can to be a good person. I'm going to lean into that. I think it's fun to think about those things. I think for a lot of evangelical Christians, that's terrifying, which is why they've leaned Mm -hmm. so much into the, the Bible is literal truth. There's no questions that can't be answered, you know, in the Bible Mm -hmm. for me, I'm just like, we don't know. And that's cool. Like, well, let's continue to talk about it and try to learn and grow from that. Um, And, you know, I guess just be good people, be loving and be accepting and, I, I feel like yeah. for most religions, it kind of boils down to that anyway. You know, it, it, there's there's very few religions that I can think of, maybe if any, that are like, no, 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 try to harm people. <laughs> most of them boil down to like, try to do the right thing. Try to be a good person. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like the ones that are more specific about do the right thing, except for to these people or except for with this thing seems to come from Christianity. So that's the stuff I don't subscri- subscribe to. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's. I, I watched um, Yes, God, Yes, um, the movie. It just came out like earlier this year or last year. Um, it has the main chick from Stranger Things. Oh, um, yeah. It's like a in it, romantic comedy kind of. Yeah. So yeah. it's you should definitely check it out because it takes place in this era. It takes place okay. in like the late 90s or early 2000s. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. And so it really like fits with a lot of stuff we're talking about. But one of the things they have like a, a group circle and they're like talking about stuff. And there's a, a girl who's like there's a girl in my class who's Muslim and, and they're like, yeah, you need to preach to her. You need to like live, you need Witness. to be a testimony to her, you know? Yeah. And the main girl is like questioning everything. It's mostly about sex and her questioning her sexuality and stuff mm-hmm. in the movie, but she's questioning kind of everything going around her. And she's like, I think we should just like let her be. And they're like, no, no, let's, let's, uh, let's talk to her. You know, let's, yeah. we got to convert her. <laughs> and there's something weird about growing up that oh, way to awful. be like, when you're told it's the truth, Right. Uh, Jesus specifically is, is the way, the truth and the life. Then you, uh, everybody, like, it's like a, a compassionate thing. You have to tell everybody, but also like everybody needs to believe that cause it is the one way. And then growing up, I'm like you, like I, I would say I'm an atheist, but I, I'm agnostic because I feel like nobody knows Sure. and I yeah. can't really know. So, um, I, I I'm an agnostic atheist. I, I don't think there's anything, but I don't, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But, you're not going to uh, say, here's the proof. Cause you, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, I don't have proof either way, right. but I don't think anybody really has proof either yeah, way. I don't have proof that there's a God. Yeah. Yeah. But spirituality is something that I'm intrigued by. And I, I think there are like weird connections in the universe and stuff that, that could be explored more that we don't understand yet. But yeah, and I, sure. I'm kind of open to that, but I don't, I don't know that there's any design behind it, but mm-hmm. I also, I, I don't, I don't think about it a whole lot except for whenever I have these conversations about Me too. my past or some <laughs> yeah. of, like my mom brings it up cause she's still uh, a big Christian and stuff and prays for me a lot. And so we have a lot of conversations about how I don't pray anymore, but she does and blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah. And otherwise though, I'm like, it's not a part of my life though. I don't like on Sunday yeah. mornings. That's where we record this. Like su- Sunday mornings to me are 
this, which we almost called it pop culture church at one really? point because we record on Sundays, but they come out on Tuesday, so it wouldn't make any sense <laughs> at all. Um, so we kind of abandoned that. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's like I, I, I once believed in that stuff. And it's interesting to hear that from you like growing up a missionary, you know, part of a missionary family. Mm-hmm. Um but now it's like uh, I'm I'm of that same thing where I'm like it's uh, it's if anything it's just personal yeah and and I don't feel it comes into play a lot in my life whenever right. whenever I'm out of that system where Jesus and God are everything in your life um, like I grew up in that yeah. era at first I'd be like I would pray and be like God should I eat this bubble gum is it <laughs> is it okay for me to eat this bubble gum like I, it got bad there for a yeah. while you know i prayed about everything well and it gets so wrapped point. up in guilt it gets so wrapped yeah. up in and all these negative things and yeah. then i think also one thing that i am grateful for in going through it is that it 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 has given me um as as much cynicism and distaste that i have for it when there are situations where I can see that someone is misguided, I have more compassion than I probably would have had I not been part of it in understanding mm-hmm. that for a lot of people and in a lot of situations, not every situation, but in a lot of situations, it comes from a place like, I, I don't know your mom. I don't know the dynamic there, mm-hmm. but I would imagine this might be one of those examples. It comes from a place of love and it comes exactly. from a place of, of fear that for your mom mm-hmm. thinking, if he doesn't believe in God, he's yep. not going to go to heaven. If, yep. if he's not praying, this is going to affect his life negatively. So it, it, even though it is, you know, in my opinion, misguided and, and problematic or whatever in terms of how it's put out there, at the core of it, people are, are worried for people that they love for or scared for people to live for, depending sure. on what we're talking about. The gay thing plays a part of that too, where it's like, I think Christians thought that they at some point had this like checkmate approach of like, well, hate the sinner or hate the sin, not the sinner. And uh-huh. like that was going to clear it up. Like gay people would be like, okay, cool. So you don't hate me. You just hate everything about how I live my life. <laughs> like we're good. Like <laughs> obviously that wasn't cool either. We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it, it is this like sort of idea of like trying to, you know, it, they think they're trying to help. There is, there is a, yeah. a place where I think for a lot of people, it comes from a place of, of wanting to do the right thing or wanting to help the person. I think also like, especially at that age, it's funny you mentioned earlier that movie being about sex. Like that's such a thing too for that age and that upbringing is you're also basically just a giant erection for those years of your life of like Uh junior high through high school. And, uh, and I don't even mean to make it a male thing. You're just, you're just a sex, (laughs) a hornied up (laughs) sex. And that is such a like, we could do an entire episode on like that culture, like purity culture and everything else. Mm. And like Amanda and I were, yeah. Or, or like courting, like there's a big thing in the, in evangelical church back then, especially of like courting where it's like, you don't kiss, you don't, you don't do, you don't, Uh you're not dating, you're courting. And yeah, it's just completely crazy. And like Amanda and I, like we, we, we tell, we joke around about it and tell stories about it all the time now because we were kind of like in that, but I was becoming more disillusioned with it. But also we're like, we get to the point where we're engaged and we're going to get married. And we, especially early on, cause we started dating when we were young. So I was mm-hmm. 16, she was 18. It was like, well, you don't have sex before marriage. Like that's, you yep. know, no premarital sex. That's a big part of Christianity and getting closer to that date and me of our marriage and me being like, man, I'm like 20 and she's 22. Like what difference does it make? Like at this point that we're yeah. like, we're going to have a ceremony and then I can see her naked. Like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like what, why? Like, And so trying to like have, like I want to make some comics about it at some point, like oh, some, that'd be great. some comedic, like autobio ones, because 
the amount of lines we would get up to or cross with like doing mm-hmm. things, but like in complete pitch bla- like black darkness. Like we like <laughs> we take a shower together in total darkness. So we never saw each other naked before we were married. But like our friends are always like, yeah, you think God can't see in the dark? Like God oh can see you guys goodness. naked. So it's like that felt like we weren't breaking the. It's just crazy. Yep. It's insane. Like and. You yeah. make these justifications uh-huh. to do things thinking, oh, well, now I didn't break this rule. And it's, and oh, I got, we I come got out similar, of that unscathed yeah. with funny stories, I think. Uh-huh. But for so many people, it's very traumatic because they, you know, it can be much more harmful depending on what level of guilt and shame is brought into it. And well, I'll, yeah. It's nuts. I'll say that um, whenever I got married, uh, my wife and I got married, we had two best friends uh, who were in the Baptist church Mm -hmm. and they got married like a month before us. We all got engaged around the same time. We're all good friends. Um, They were not going to kiss. They had kissed at dating, (laughs) but then they they stopped when they got engaged and they were going to wait. Amanda and I also waited until marriage to have sex, but... Um, and we had other friends in that same realm and it, it uh, over time though, whenever we were like more adult and we'd be drinking and stuff and we'd be around each other, everybody was fooling around. Just <laughs> nobody would tell each other they were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we would all like a man and I would like pray about it and be like, we never had sex, but like we would fool around Yeah, and be like, well, too. is this okay? And then she would feel bad and we'd, we'd pray about it more or whatever. Right. And, uh, it's so it's funny. So, like so that. bad. It's so bad. And, yeah. um, but everybody really like it just suppressed all these things. And then mm-hmm. um, recently my my nephew got married and uh, he actually is a, a youth pastor in Lubbock. And um, his uh, fiance or his wife now is is also, I think, in the, in the church. Like they're really big into it. They went to like a Christian university. Okay. So they're, they're way more into it than I ever was anyway. Right. Uh, but at a certain point, they they asked us to talk about our experiences <laughs> Uh, waiting for marriage yeah. and I and so we sat them down and like Amanda and I were both like don't uh, have sex like they're like we were like how do you like sex is such a big part of your life like how do you get married to right. someone and not know if you're compatible and we've right. had issues over time because we were fooling around but not having sex so it's like that skewed our development we were really young yeah. as well and your we perception of how things work like yeah it's yeah and so it like it skewed things. So, so we were we were like, well, honestly, like looking back, we'd be like, don't do it. And they were like, well, we're gonna still wait, but we just wanted your like to know what it was like, like your advice. And we were like, well, the that's our like advice. this was like, a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop talking. <laughs> but we did our best because 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 they asked, and because right. growing up where you were you would tell everybody not to do that, you right. know, to to wait or whatever, and. And the same way I felt like, well, I was skewed at that age. Yeah. I can at least look back on that and then, you know, try to dust off that a little bit and and give it to my nephew and say, like, here's what you can do with what I'm saying in my life choices. Um, But it is interesting how that still sticks around. I've thought about the same for Daniel to where it's like the the takeaway I have from that isn't that from a Christian, you know, lack of sin perspective, you should wait until marriage. My perspective is. Sex is a is a special serious thing. You know, you should treat mm-hmm. it you should treat it with respect. Um but there's not magic Christian rules about it. <laughs> like yeah. it's you know, it it is good that we, you know, <sighs> took it seriously. You know, uh-huh. I think I think I could have made a lot of um really crazy mistakes if I had no, you know, rules around it and the, just just when you're mm-hmm. young and stupid. And yeah. and even when I say that, I mean stuff that everyone makes. That that it's not a judgment thing. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it, I might have escaped some of these decisions, but 
at what cost that I then had to later kind of balance out and realize yeah. like, okay, I need to kind of deprogram myself from, from a lot of that thinking or whatever else. So it, it seems like so much with Christianity as adults, that when you go through it, the way we grew up is like, okay, I, I got to deprogram some of this stuff, but then maybe there's a kernel of positivity in here that I can yeah. hold on to and be like, okay, I can be one of the things one of in my process of sort of kind of not hating the church as much when mm-hmm. I was full born against it was there was a documentary and I don't know that <laughs> the phrasing of this now is, is probably more problematic, but the, there was a documentary and th- there's this uh, about Christianity and organized religion and stuff. And there's this whole metaphor in the Bible of um, the church is supposed to be the bride of Christ and, oh, you know, yeah. be as an organization, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's in the Bible. And um, so the guy in this documentary, I forget who it was, a theologian or pastor or something, uh, you know, he said the the modern church, like it's supposed to be the bride of Christ. And this bride, like this, this modern day church is a whore. Uh, and then he kind of <laughs> stops, which I'm like now, like now in 2020, I'm like, eh, maybe a weird word to use, yeah. but unfaithful, whatever, like, you know, not, uh-huh. not a good partner. You know, we don't have to even make it gendered. Um, dot, dot, dot. But it's also my mother, you know, and like that made me hmm. immediately start crying back then. This is like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. because it was like, yeah, I can't ignore the fact that I grew up in this and I learned so mm-hmm. much from this. And it's, that's always felt like a lot of what this stuff is, is, is trying to process it and take what the good from it, leave the bad behind. Yeah. Um, and then in our case, because we have a kid now, you know, help him navigate that if, if yeah, he does. Sure. And I know kind of what pitfalls to help him avoid or encourage him to ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. make sure that that things like science and, you know, other things that, that Christians oftentimes kind of want to downplay aren't ignored. You know, it mm-hmm. can work in tandem, <laughs> you know, science yeah, yeah. can be real and you can also have faith. Like that's fine. And uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that, you know, and, and being able to sort of learn from it. But anyway, I'm talking in circles yeah. now. No, this is good. So, um, I, I did want to go back to, you had mentioned some of the actual like pop culture stuff to bring it back to the, <laughs> the stuff of the show or whatever. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned the 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 Coca Cola Jesus Christ shirt, whatever. We'll post these things too that you had sent me. There's a there's a Reese's one. Too. Reese's one, yeah. Um, so there was a store in in Tulsa called Mardell that was a Christian bookstore, really big. Um, okay. And they had a, a whole music room section, and in that era they had a, all the T-shirts lined up around the walls, but um, they had a lot of Christian music, DC Talk. Um, I'm trying to think of other bands I used to listen to that in the day, like the uh, Skillet. Is it Skillet? Is that, yeah. I was trying to think. Skillet. I, it's not Skrillex. It's not Skrillex. Skrillex. Yeah. Uh, it was like so, like the big ones people usually go for, like Reliant K. Yes, uh, they're oh yeah, totally. Skillet, MXPX. Um, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how far you go, and later it would be like Under Oath. Um, okay, yeah, would be like a postmodern kind or post-hardcore kind of band. Yeah, there was some like ska type stuff I listened to in that day. My favorite ska band right. of all time to this day is a Christian band called Five Iron Frenzy. They, oh, Five Iron is great. Oh, yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, right. And, on. and they have been the one of the only Christian bands who have had a very similar arc of being uh-huh. like, and even back then they were kind of like this pushing against the the legalism and you know the 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 fundamentalism and stuff like that. And mm. to this day, their drummer has since become an atheist and stayed in the band because he loves and respects the bandmates so much because they've never judged him. And they've always been like, there's a lot of stuff about Christianity that sucks. Um, so yeah, they're, they seem like a cool group of people anyway. That is cool to to be able to still accept them like that and to have people do their journeys. 
uh, which yeah, is really sure. interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, okay, here we really are. Skillet, uh, Newsboys, mm-hmm. Switchfoot, who is uh, uh, a big. big they were like, Switchfoot. yeah, they were like all over the soundtrack to Walk to Remember. Oh yeah. Uh, there's, there's more uh, like Third Day, but I didn't really listen to them. Like Audio Adrenaline. If you go back further too, then in the '90s, then there would have been. Um, yeah, you mentioned DC Talk. And then there's like solo acts like Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, yeah. and Rebecca St. James. Um, I'm trying to remember more off the top of my head. I do like, uh, I still listen to Fire, or not Fire, I still listen to Reliant K. They have a, a really good Christmas album yep. from a few years ago. Um, let it so, snow, let like, it rain deer, or yes, something like that. Yeah. Let it rain deer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I still like. There's, there's some um, original songs that they wrote. Yeah. There's one that's like, I hate Christmas parties that I really mm-hmm. like and um, stuff like that. But, uh, and I still like them, but. It is weird listening back there. There's a few like Christian songs that I still like from that era or whatever. And they're not like overtly Christian, but then they have like one line about Jesus. And I'm like, it always like stops me in my tracks when I'm listening to it, you know? And I'm yeah, like, yeah. do I really even want to listen to this? Right. Uh, kind of throws me off a little bit. But I have, um, I have a Spotify playlist. I'll share it with you. That yeah. is called um, Christian songs that don't make me want to piss blood. And it's, and it's literally, it's literally those songs where it's like, okay, these are the ones from this era of my life. Even if they are super Christian, I don't have a a modern day association. I only have positive association from when I was younger. Uh, I'll send it to you. Like, it's not one that I I share with basically anybody. Cause I'm like, I know this is only for me. Cause these are the ones that aren't going to make me mad. Um, the W's was one I listened to. And then the OC Supertones is what I was trying to think of. That was a huge one. Big ska band. Um, but yeah, the W's then, were like kind of uh, also like swing. Oh yeah, to like well, yeah, swing Zoot was Suit Riot then. kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of vibe, and also ska for sure. Um, but uh, there was also at that at that bookstore they had um, I remember a CD I, I stumbled upon once, and I remember thinking it was the greatest idea in the world. And what they did was they took seventies rock, like Leonard Skinner. Okay. And all these other songs and they changed the lyrics to Jesus lyrics. Oh boy. <laughs> so it was like I was like, you get the secular music with the Jesus lyrics. Like, that would have been my mom's world. dream to give me when I was like, please let me listen to Lincoln Park. She would have been like, Well, you know, here's uh Lincus Lincoln Pontius Pilot or like something that yeah. would be like <laughs> I'm like, no. Like that's the, that's one of the jokes too about Christianity oh, is man. that pop culture wise, they're always like five years behind what's what's popular. So yeah. eventually you'll get, you know, those those versions of those bands. Christian rap is like that, too. Like there was, um, you know, five years after Eminem was at his height, there was an Eminem kind of Christian rapper. And Christian rap always cracks me up, too, because it's it's so strange. There's so much there's so many parts yeah. of, of that culture that they can't replicate because it's it leans into language or or um, that's true. Behavioral stuff that Christians would not be cool with. So, yeah. Yeah, it feels like uh, a lot like Lazy uh, Sunday or Lazy Scranton, where it's like trying to be cool and singing about like going to Bible study and stuff. <laughs> I listened uh, at a concert once. Uh, Modest Yahoo was oh there, yeah right. I still kind of like Modest Yahoo. That dude it was I had never heard of him before that concert. He was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's and he's like uh, he's an Hasidic Jew, right? So Jew, he's, yeah. He's um yeah. kind of outside. Like he leans into like the the Jewish like mysticism and stuff, which I think mm. is cool. There's a horror movie called, um, uh, is it the possession? It's got Jeffrey Dean Morgan in it. Um, mm. and it's a, it's a PG 13 kind of like possession horror movie where okay. the, the, but it's all Jewish mysticism stuff. So like the, the daughter finds it, it's called a Dubbick box, I think, which is this like mm. Jewish 
um, folklore thing where it's the spirit that lives in a box. And it's pretty good. It's it's not like it's not gonna blow your mind, but uh, there's a part in that where they go like meet this guy who's like this like sort of um, Hasidic like Jewish exorcist that like lives on the fringe of like Jewish uh-huh. society, and he's played by Modest Yahoo. Like oh, it, awesome. he's, he's in the movie. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There you go. He's a little movie star. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's yeah that music that era still feels really like uh, I I have good memories of going to concerts with friends. Yeah, um, that were super into that world as well, and and the music I thought was really solid, and uh, some of that, some of it's like really cheesy to me, like the the Michael W. Smith and stuff, <laughs> yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. I never really listened to. Yeah, and the worship music we did was was trying to be you know hip and stuff, and I, I still can sing some of those hymns, but in like the the rock way whenever the bands came to our church and stuff. But but it's like Reliant K and some of those some of those groups, I'm like I legit still like. Yeah, it's just that some of their lyrics still kind of throw me off now because yeah. they're they're Jesus that, focused. And that podcast but, I told you about, Good Christian Fun, they brought up yeah. uh, a song. They did a thing, and I'm I'm way I'm not current on the show because they've done so many episodes. So I'm like halfway through their run, trying uh-huh. to catch up to current. And um, they I don't know if they still do it, but they did a thing for a bit where it was like the hunt for the worst Christian song of all time. So they would <laughs> he would introduce two Christian songs. They listened to it. Whoever one would stay, and it would be how many. Oh, and awesome. for a long series of weeks. A Reliant K song was like the reigning champion of the worst Christian song of all time. And it was Mood Rings off of, I think it's Three mm. Wrongs Don't Make a Left, or Three three Lefts Don't Make a Right, but One Do. <laughs> it's not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, but it's it was a song I remembered right away. And I was like, I oh, this isn't a bad one, song. Yeah. And then they get into the song and the lyrics, and I was like, holy oh, yeah. crap, <laughs> this is so offensive. It's literally about like, we should get remood rings for all girls so we know what they're thinking Ooh. because they are hysterical messes. Like that's the joke <laughs> or like that's the song. And you're just like, how is this okay? This is so crazy. So yeah. And by all that's accounts, the lead singer is like a giant tool bag, <laughs> like a huge douche. I so. wondered about that. At a concert I saw of them once, he... um they were cool because they they played uh, "My Name Is Jonas" from Oh yeah um, Weezer yeah Weezer yeah they they covered that and that was fun um, and then uh, but he called out some dude in the audience and he was like hey I used to date your sister and the dude was like really like not responsive to it and I was like I wonder if that wasn't a good breakup and then you just like called it out in the middle of the concert and I I had never really heard much about him but ever since that I, I kind of wondered how he really was off stage because again like a Christian world like. There are a lot of jerks involved. Oh, yeah. Uh, and a lot of people just making money, too. And, you know? and he's had a weird, like, even if, I don't know him, obviously, I don't know the details, but if you look at the outside in, like, he clearly has, like, gotten one foot into the Hollywood secular, oh, use that yeah. word again, culture. Like, yeah, he right. dated <laughs> Katy Perry for a while and, like, oh, helped her write some of her songs. Yeah, Crazy. so it, you, you immediately wonder, like, how much is this dude, like, uh, trying would be fine with breaking away from the Christian culture and, yeah. and and not linking that to positive and negative things. But, um, I first heard about it cause we, we did a podcast called hideous energy for a long time about comic books, my friend Austin and I, and we had a, a listener who we became friendly with through that show and the, he lives or lived wherever the Reliant K band is from. And so mm. that Matthew Thiessen, the lead singer and the rest of the band would show up at like different restaurants that they'd see them. And he was like, those oh, guys okay. are douchebags. They suck. Like everybody hates them. Oh, like they're, sucks, yeah. they're super arrogant and everything. That's the first time I'd heard it. And uh-huh. then on the podcast, that good Christian fun, it's come up multiple times from other people too. So it's there you been go. So always a weird thing to think about. Yeah. 
Uh, well, even so, uh, I was looking, I was trying to find that Mood Ring song. I got to find that later on because I don't really remember that. I'm, I remember that album cover, but I don't remember. I might have the wrong album. album that much. Yeah. No, I think, it, yeah, it's uh, Two Lefts Don't Make a Right, but, but Three, three do. do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember it's like a bunch of like trucks and cars, like kind of, it's like a cart, like a comic yeah. looking thing. And there were four about. different covers and they had, it oh, was okay. like a, a red, yellow, blue, and pink, I think. Or gotcha. Blue, yellow, pink, and green. And they had different images. Like I remember one of my friends who was another missionary kid in Brazil had the uh, the blue one and I had the pink one. Oh, okay. Were they the same album? Or just same album, like, yeah. Just okay. the liner notes gotcha. I think were different colors and I think yeah. maybe the CD itself was too. This was yeah, right on. You know, in the days of CDs. But uh, what it, it popped up, uh, people also search for and uh, it came up with Sadie Hawkins Dance. Oh, yeah. Which is, I listened pants. to that song like a week ago. Uh, <laughs> I listen to that song all the time. It's on yep. one of my favorites playlists. Uh, it's still so good. So we might, oh, yeah. we might close the show with that this, this time. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's there's like the, the band stuff um, that was interesting because it was a big part of my life and kind of growth for, for music in general, mm-hmm. but it happened to be Christian for a long time, but that's what got me into like pop punk and ska and stuff yeah. was like Christian bands. And then I would kind of find more stuff after that or whatever. Um, Reliant was, K was what I loved a good thing. and I always wanted to listen to Blink-182 and was not allowed to. I'd have to sneak oh, okay. Blink-182 and some both. 41. Yeah. <laughs> I did do both. To my mom, I only yeah. listened to Reliant K. Uh, but yeah, they were like the, in that same realm for sure. Like, yeah. 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 And I, I would say if you, for the most part, Reliant K's lyrics are not overtly Christian a lot of the time. I, I yeah. don't think, um, that Christmas album is a lot obviously, but, right, um, sure. that, and that's the one I mostly listen to, but I think most of their songs, you know, are just songs, but I think if you like, like Blink-182, like they're worth giving it a shot if anybody's listening yeah uh, well like case pretty good yeah and that that's such a like i know that genre is not dead but it feels a lot like ska to me where it's like it it doesn't feel like a thriving genre anymore yeah. but it it was i think for so many people of our age and and like demographic it was a huge huge part yeah. of our upbringing i don't even mean the christian side just pop punk and mm-hmm. like oh man i still listen to blink 182 and oh, like it's so good there's there are a few I'm, i know this happens with every genre of music but i feel like that era and that style is probably the most visceral thing where my mind snaps to a place and a feeling so quickly totally. and i get right back into those memories and mm-hmm. and those feelings of of that era like it yeah it hits perfect yeah it was a that was a good time to grow up i think because uh there was a lot of good music like that and and I didn't have a lot of friends. Like, I had my church friends, whatever, they were kind of into it. But, like, my brother was older and, like, wasn't into that stuff. And I tried to play him a Blink-182 song about Star Wars once because he was really into Star Wars. And I thought <laughs> we'd connect over it. And he was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I was like, but I, it's glad because, like, growing up, it's like, again, you right. and I and other friends of mine had that similar upbringing. But no, I was totally. kind of going through it alone and finding these new people and stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm looking over at my... Uh, show and tell thing. So okay. I'm go ahead and bring this out. Okay. So I, I, I'm curious. We, you and I have talked before about a walk to remember. Yes. Uh, being instrumental in our lives. Um, to me, uh, I got to look it up and see when that actually came out. That was one of the first movies that my wife and I saw. Okay. Um, together. 2001 uh, is my guess. Yeah, I think we got together. 2002. Yeah. Oh man, you're off. Okay. Uh, you're, uh, January 25th though. So oh, okay. Close. Close, yeah. So she and I got together in September of 2001. So this was one of the first movies that came out that we remember seeing. Okay. And and since I was a Christian and my my wife wasn't at the time, and then she started going to church with me and got baptized and all that stuff, this movie was like directly influential, I think, mm-hmm. on all those decisions. 
because it's about a bad boy who's not a Christian. Not that my wife was a bad boy or yeah. a bad girl. Yeah. But you know, not everybody is a well, bad Well, it's a, it's a PG a movie you know? about a bad boy and a bad girl. Uh, there yeah, you bad go. Boy, yeah. So yeah. He forces someone to jump off of a, a really tall diving board or yeah. whatever, and that's the impetus for the entire story. The guy belly flops in, life. almost dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty like pretty bad actually. They all think yeah. he up is dead. Uh, and then about the good Christian girl who you know shows him in his ways or whatever as, as they like kind of fall in love or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it was, which he, it was which really he promises not to us. do. She, she tells him, you got to promise me you won't fall in love with me. And he she, does. She tries. Yeah. It's right there, buddy. She told you <laughs> no. Um, but, and it's funny cause then it, it becomes like this sappy, you know, thing where she's, she's like, like terminal cancer and that's like why yeah. she lives the way she is. And then, they get married, I think, but it's like really brief because she dies, and it's all like that had nothing to do with my life. But and if you're the Christian, it did, you know. And if you're like me at what what I would have been like thirteen, uh, it would have been like all right, so they got to have sex then, <laughs> like, <laughs> like she, <laughs> they got married yeah. so they could have sex, like that's how that works. <laughs> um, but it was so instrumental to us at the time that uh, I have in my hands two. Star Deeds. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Because he does oh, that in the movie, yeah. right? Uh, and I don't remember in the movie since it's been a while. And I, I've even seen it in the last few years, but I forget. Uh, both of our stars are in Orion, which I think is also from the movie. I think his... I don't remember that detail either, but yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But that's why I think we got it. And like, even last night, my wife and I point out Orion to this day to each other and like talk about it. Mine is, is called Steven. Hers is called Amanda bananas because that's what we (laughs) called her at the time. That's awesome. Uh, and this is totally fake. It's like stardeed.com and they, it's like $30 and they just send you a, a pan or like a sheet or whatever. It's like embossed and everything, but there's just um, like, yeah, yeah. There's like 3 billion stars. One of them's yours. Cool here. Thanks yeah, for your money. <laughs> and it's like, literally it's like one, one, two, seven, five, zero Orion is what right. mine is and stuff. Uh, but I bought hers September 22nd, 2002 as our one year anniversary later that year from this movie. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, this is my, out of all the posters or movie memorabilia that I might have up, this is probably the weirdest <laughs> like connection that only I, you know, my wife and I know basically. That's great. Uh, that has to do with that movie. But uh, but also, I'm curious about uh, about you. You have mentioned that you and your wife uh, also love that movie, but I think separately, right? It's uh, yeah, and you could honestly. Um, look at it and point to it as uh, playing a pivotal role in us being together <laughs> and, yeah. and, and getting together. So Amazing. it came out when I was in seventh grade and I didn't want to see, I had no interest. I didn't care. Um, and I didn't mm. meet Amanda for another, well, I was 16. So another like three years. So we went back to Brazil after that and then came back. I explained that earlier. So in seventh grade, I was in Wisconsin and Milwaukee was where we came back to and lived. And there was a girl who I was friends with where our, our families were, were friends. And I thought she was great. I always loved being friends with her, her older brother too, but Keisha Foster was her name. I doubt she's listening. Uh, but if she tracks this down, <laughs> I, I always loved her. She was always super cool. The problem was, uh, I loved her platonically. And I think during that time she had a crush on me. Uh-huh. So she, she wanted to go see this movie and I was like, man, I don't want to see it. Uh, but I don't want to be mean to her. So mm. I regret doing this, uh, be, but I was 13. Um, I brought my younger sister with me. So I was like, yeah, sure. And then showed up with Hannah. So watch the movie. Amazing. I'm sure it broke her heart, which I feel bad about. But I mean, you're 13. You don't, you know, yeah. you're not making the best decisions. And uh, the problem was for me is that I'm watching this movie sitting there being like, okay, 90 minutes, I can get through this and be done. 
Um, I feel awkward because I know she likes me, but I don't like her back. Uh, I get like enraptured by this movie as a 13 year old boy. <laughs> and Amazing. the the scene where Landon's dad <laughs> shows up and tells him that he paid for her hospital bills Ugh. and he's like, starts crying and like, yeah. I'm like crying in the theater and I'm like embarrassed and trying to hide it. Like from this girl and from, boy. yeah, cause I'm 13 year old yeah. boy. So I'm so embarrassed and scared that, um, Amanda just walked in in her underwear. I don't know if she showed up on camera or not. I don't think you did. We are talking about our path to meeting each other through a walk to remember. So it's fitting that you would just come in yeah, half naked, amazing. I guess. Um, Sorry. It's okay. So she, uh, so I'm like pretending and trying to act like this movie is not destroying me. So uh -huh. I'm, I'm super into it. Uh, I recognize some of the Switchfoot songs uh, I yeah. love the song that Jamie sings, Mandy Moore's character, not mm. knowing it's also a Switchfoot song. Um, uh -huh. So the movie ends. I'm like, yeah, it was fun. You know, I'm like trying to play it off. <laughs> when I get home, I walk to our like local Walgreens that was in walkable distance, mm. and I buy the Nicholas Sparks book that it's based off of because oh, wow. I was like, I got to read this book now. Man. I then at a Target next time I'm with there with like my parents or grandparents, I buy the soundtrack. All yeah. of this is in secret. I don't tell anyone because <laughs> because realistically, at that age, at that time, uh, in that era of culture, it wouldn't have been you know what it is to say now. Like I didn't want people to like my friends to call me gay. Like that would have been yeah. the biggest yeah. fear at that age of like I don't want them to think I'm gay. So I didn't tell anybody. So it wasn't until we moved back to Brazil, an older friend who um, was a guy I looked up to and liked comics and everything. He was probably a good six, seven years older than me. He had the DVD and he was one of the first examples for me of someone who was not embarrassed to like something. Like I had things that I, I would like and not share with anyone because I was scared they would make fun of me or whatever. Mm. And he had this movie and I kind of was like trying to figure out a way to ask him to borrow it to watch it again. And saw like how much he didn't care. It was just like, yeah, it's a cool movie. I like it. And that honestly also played a part of my my life of like not being embarrassed by whatever I like. Who cares? Like I, yeah. if people don't make fun of me, that's their problem. I can like what I like. So that was the first DVD I ever listened to a commentary track on. I was so oh, wow. into the movie that I was like, what's this commentary thing? And loved it. I, I used to watch it with the commentary all the time too. Hmm. So uh, flash forward when we moved back to uh, America permanently. I, I meet Amanda. Um, I'm friends with her. She's two years older than me. She's a senior. I'm a sophomore. So I'm like, there's absolutely no way she's going to be ever interested in me. But I'm like immediately in love with her. Like she's mm -hmm. the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my life. I'm trying so hard to not like get invested in this because I'm like, she's getting ready to graduate. Like a, she doesn't have any interest in me anyway. B yeah, right. she's going to college. Like she's not going to care anymore. Uh, but she, I, st I walk home from school every day. I show up in the middle of the semester. So it's snowing out and uh, my house is like four blocks away from the school. So she would drive by and say, Hey, do you want to ride to your house? So you don't have to walk in the snow. So she would start giving me rides home to school or fr home from school. So mm -hmm. I find out that her favorite movie is a walk to remember. Man. So I'm like, man, I know all about so this nice. movie. Like this is all worked <laughs> out. I have all this info. Like I can talk about this movie. You're like, hey, baby, I dare you to move. <laughs> so <laughs> I just go through every single soundtrack. Yeah, right. Like, I sometimes I feel like we're dancing in the moonlight. I don't know what it is, but um, so <laughs> my only hope is that you'll listen to me oh, right now. Man. So she, uh, long story short, for whatever reason, I think I talked to her niece. So her, she has nieces and nephews that are like my age because she's got okay. way older sisters, um, mm. and so. 
uh, I asked one of her nieces, or I think maybe I told her. Somehow I got an, an inkling that maybe Amanda was kind of interested in me. So I bought the DVD and a rose. And on Valentine's Day, I went to, Sexy. I was in, <laughs> I remember I was in uh, English class and I went to my teacher, his name was Mr. Baker. And I like way over explained. I could have just been like, can I go to the bathroom? And <laughs> yeah, he would have right. been like, sure, I don't care. Like you didn't even have to ask. Uh, but I over explained it. I was like, I, I've got a crush on this girl and I, I, I got her, her niece gave me her locker combination and I want to go nice. hide this DVD and this this rose in her locker because I want to let her know that I like her. And and he was like, again, probably in his head was just like, I, yes, do whatever you want. I don't care. Like, <laughs> you were <teenagers>. 16. <laughs> yeah. Like, so Your goddamn hormones. Get out of here. <laughs> and so I did that. I hid it in her locker. And then uh, I came around the corner uh, later that day when she had gotten in her locker and she was just like shocked and gave me a hug. And which was relieving to me because I was like, it could have either been that or her being in like, oh man, you way misinterpreted mm. this relationship, right? Uh, which was not the case. And yeah, that was how we started dating was because of that. Man, that yeah, it really led to it. Yeah, it all like it's strangely like all built to. Now in my younger days, I would have been like, that was God, man. God set me up for all oh, those yeah. things. <laughs> it all connected God up. <laughs> made you go to that other that, with that other girl to the movie, so you'd see <laughs> yeah. it and fall in love with it. So you'd meet this other girl later on. It was all planned. And there's and there's parts of it now that it can't, Amanda will probably listen to this episode and be like, "What do you mean it wasn't God? Our relationship wasn't you know God destined <laughs> or whatever." Yes, I'm not saying it's not. Uh, but yeah, it was like a it was a yeah it was it was pretty cool. So I think we've only watched the movie together like maybe twice in our entire relationship. Oh, wow. Like even though it played after a big role. Yeah, yeah. It's not like one that we watched a ton mm -hmm. uh, after that. But um, yeah. Anyway. You're like, we, we would watch that movie together and then go lay in the dark, but not look at each other. Yeah, Go take a shower in the dark. And, <laughs> that would be the intimate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> intimate moments. From it. Pray while we were sinning. <laughs> oh man. Well, I, I have a similar Nicholas Sparks thing with the notebook. Uh, for some reason, I really like that movie. And I, after that movie, I, I got the book. Mm -hmm. I like that book. Really? <laughs> um, and it's because, I mean, for one, it's because Rachel McAdams is one of my favorite actresses and she's, yeah, she's, she's awesome. Charming as fuck. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling as well is also really charming to me. And so uh, the, put them together and that's just, that's nice. It's like World War II era. Uh, that's always been romanticized to me. And then um, my wife's an interior designer and we both love old houses. And the fact that he like restores a house for her. Yeah. It's like perfect for us. Oh yeah. So like I've had that same thing with, with that movie, even though I was like an adult when I came right. out, you know, but it also took me a while to like admit that, you know, uh, yeah. and I'm also getting more into the stage where I'm like, fuck it. Like I enjoy it, whatever. Um, and I've it's never read a, this book though. Yeah. And it's, it's such a great genre when it's done well, there's so many, it's yeah. a lot, again, I equate everything to horror, but it's a lot like horror where there's so many bad ones, but then when you find a good one, it's yeah, so satisfying. Like it. uh, I remember when we find, when we saw crazy stupid love when it came out and it was just that oh. idea of like, Oh, there's yeah. a, again, finally there's another great romantic comedy. And like, I love that movie. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We watched it that a lot. one surprised me. I didn't expect much from it. And then, uh, it has like a cool, like twist in it and stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. like fun. Like it's, <laughs> It's interesting, and, then, and they're dynamic together. Steve Carell and uh, Ryan Gosling. Oh, they're both really so funny. Good. That part yeah. where the twist is, is revealed, and uh, Ryan Gosling got, is like, "This guy's Linhagen," and he takes his ring off to go punch oh, yeah. him. Like, <laughs> there's so much He's good, like, like okay. physical yeah. comedy in it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I I've actually always leaned into uh, like chick flicks in general. I've yeah. said since I was a teenager, I'm like, I don't. That's a stupid term, or whatever, because I liked a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of the ones that my wife and I watch now, um, yeah. like Legally Blonde and yeah. um, 
I don't know, Miss Congeniality or whatever. Like the just Nora Ephron stupid, ones. Are, yeah, you've got Mail. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Those are all good, oh, too. You've Got Mail is my, my wife's number one movie. Yeah. Um, we watch that one like once a week. We watch it a lot. Um, just something to put in the background, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, feels good but oh yeah uh, but yeah this this too uh there were moments in our in our past where walk to remember was was more but we haven't watched it in a long time like i said and until just a few years ago we tried it again and it was it was funny to relive it together because we still it's still kind of nice and we have a lot of memories it's mostly nostalgia but yeah uh, it's really cheesy and um, it's i don't I, remember <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree it's i think it's a sweet movie like it's it's pg so everything's dialed down like yeah even like when they photoshop using like a copier like her naked like her face on a naked body it's like covered oh, yeah. up and like it's all it's <laughs> like about that yeah because yeah, it's it's um i thought who's there's like a villain like a girl villain in it right that yeah. doesn't like her or something yeah it's landed's ex-girlfriend that. or is like trying to get with him and he's not interested yeah, Daryl, that's Daryl right. Hannah's the mom. Like, it's got a, a crazy cast too. Yeah. Um, his that dude has had such a weird career because he was in. He played Tom it. Sawyer in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Right. He was on ER forever, and oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, like Random. after kind of like the big era toward the end, he was on ER. Yeah, Shane. I remember at this era when he did this movie, I thought he was going to be like huge fucking oh, yeah. deal, <laughs> uh, and that did not. Quite I'm sure work he out. did too. <laughs> yeah. Right. I yeah. remember. Uh, I've seen League of Extraordinary Gentlemen like twice, maybe, mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to really like it, but I've never really like gotten that into it. Comics great. Uh, if you ever read the comic, oh yeah, okay, yeah, it's cool. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I liked the movie when I was a kid, but it's very bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty bad movie. Uh, yeah, he was in uh, Whatever It Takes. Do you remember that? It's I don't know uh, that one. He uh, makes a deal with has James Franco is the main guy. And they make a deal about uh, like a, turning the geek into like the sex bomb or whatever the high school and stuff. Oh, okay. But it's like all a it's like a she's all that like rip off yeah. or whatever. Uh, made like a year later. Um, yeah, he was in a a bunch of stuff that I was like, oh, he he was in a bunch of stuff that was like targeted towards us. Right. So I thought he was gonna be like huge shit. At, uh, I'm shocked he hasn't been in more horror but... movies. This is like a perfect Sean Ashmore kind of dude to be like oh, now yeah. just thriving in the horror scene. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I haven't seen him. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But um, I, uh, I'm trying to think. Like that was really our main, like Christian movie at the time. Like music was a lot more. There's a lot more variety that but I see, knew. That's the thing that is interesting is that it's not it. We call we also classify it and look at it as a Christian movie, but it's not. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's a studio movie. It was by like Fox True. or whatever. Like yeah yeah. And and but that is important to an important distinction is because it was a rare movie where there was a Christian character who wasn't portrayed horribly necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, there may be problematic things about the movie, but she's a, I think a pretty genuinely sweet character and a kind character in the movie. There's, there might be some moments of that would be judgmental or whatever, but, um, she's not portrayed as a villain or as a bad person or whatever. And that was rare, uh, in again, secular culture. But the thing that was so (laughs) notable about it is that the, the Christian film industry, they've never made a good one. It's the, the Christian Mm. movies are always awful. They're so bad. Oh yeah. And so that was one of the Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Oh, oh, do I have one to talk about? Uh, so they, they, uh, when you would get a, a mainstream movie that would have some sort of Christian, character value or whatever as uh, as someone in christian culture that was like such an exciting thing to see it's a weird thing of like 
a very privileged version of like seeing yourself represented on screen because you've got say, a million matters. other yeah. like actually marginalized people, <laughs> Christ, yeah. white Christians are not, you know, misrepresented or, yeah. or, or persecuted. But like, I remember when, uh, did you ever watch book of Eli that Denzel Washington movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I remember even that one, when we were pretty far removed out of this Christian culture, that was a cool thing for us where it was like, Oh, there's this like, badass dude who like fights and stuff and there's i won't spoil mm-hmm. it but there's like there is a, a a christianity kind of vein that goes through that movie sure. that i think for a lot of people was a turnoff but um that was something like denzel washington was very adamant about they tried to take that out and he was like you guys can take that out but then the poster's not going to say denzel washington on it and the producers were like okay put nice. it back in like he was he's <laughs> yeah. a he's a person he's of faith denzel. i guess yeah but it's a movie that has swearing it has violence mm-hmm. like it it doesn't it seems like that that's always been the trade off is like, if you're going to make a Christian movie, it has to, then it's has to be completely sanitized. And apparently one of the things in my opinion that has to be sanitized is quality because they're never good. <laughs> so we originally yeah. this week talked about um, like maybe, and I don't know if you have any examples of this, but like uh, we were talking about maybe looking at like Christmas, like Christian mm-hmm. Christmas things. Mm-hmm. And the more I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't know that I have any, like most stuff that I can think about that I, I interacted with growing up that were Christmas things. Yeah. We're Christian because, you know, Jesus, like baby Jesus and stuff, but not um, like Christian made necessarily. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, or if they were, everyone's adapting the same story if you're doing Jesus and the major and the three wise men and all that stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, it's not like, although it'd be cool if like the secular version was like, and then three wise robots showed up. Like no one really <laughs> tweaks the story. Let's write that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I Googled, I was like, maybe there, maybe there's something bad I forgot about. And I was like, let's look up, you know, worst Christian Christmas movies. And I totally forgot that <laughs> about six years ago, Kurt Cameron made this movie called Saving Christmas. Um, awesome. And in some, in some places, it's called Kurt Cameron's apostrophe no. S, Saving Christmas, which could be two things. Could be like, hey, he made it, he narrates it, he's in it, he wrote it. Or it could be Kirk Cameron is saving Christmas in this movie. <laughs> yeah, personally. Much like all of the best titles that could be two things, it is both. Uh, oh, man. This movie won, a Raz- uh, won multiple Raspberry Awards. One of them was uh, uh, Best On-Screen Duo, and it was Kirk Cameron and His Ego won uh, Ooh, <laughs> Best Raspberry for this one. So, um, so last night uh, when I was working, I stayed up uh, a couple hours and worked late at night after Daniel went to bed. And I watched this movie, which is streaming on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, it has, you want to guess what it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Maybe you've already seen it if you're looking. I at already it. saw it, yeah. yeah. It has a, a very round, solid 0%. Uh, Kurt Cameron blamed you, Stephen, for the poor reception. Oh, yeah. He blamed the atheists for, uh, 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 for the 0%. I don't what? know how, yeah, not going to something could really be blamed. Yeah, I, on exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess not. Uh, he then uh, encouraged his his supporters on Facebook to go and up the user rating review on Rotten Tomatoes to show the atheists that we decide what's good and what's not. Totally. What's great about that is that very quickly the internet caught wind of it and everyone went to bomb it on the user side too. <laughs> so oh, hell yeah. <laughs> it was a very uh, concerted effort. This is oh, one of yeah. the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I also highly recommend you watch it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to make Amanda watch it. I showed her a scene this morning from it, and she looked uncomfortable to a degree where I thought she was going to like throw up. Like she was nice. I thought she'd maybe would laugh and be like, what is this? This is crazy. And she was like genuinely upset. It is an upsetting. <laughs> 
completely crazy offensive movie. And like I said earlier, I, you and I both grew up in this culture. Man. We understand where Christian's mindsets are yeah. at for stuff like this. This is left turn after left turn for even that core group of people. Oh, man. I won't go into all the craziness, but the core idea of the movie is that Kirk Cameron is at a, his sister's Christmas party. Sadly, not Candace Cameron from Full House. Mm. And it's another sister who's fictional and played by an actress. And uh, he, her husband is this like Christmas grump. Like he's, he's disillusioned with Christmas Uh, for him. You know, Christmas is about Jesus and it's the reason for the season. Mm. And it's, you know, we're Christians and Christmas has become materialistic. And it's about all of these symbols and traditions that have nothing to do with the Bible, blah, 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 blah. So the entire movie is Kirk Cameron convincing this guy, this Christian whose name in the movie is Christian. (laughs) (laughs) He's played by the director of the movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That not only are all of these Christmas traditions fine, but they do come from the Bible. And okay. Most of the times, spoiler alert, they don't. It's just Kirk Cameron making something up so that they somehow fit. Uh, And it seriously is like a lot of the stuff that the guy said at the beginning where he's like, we're having this dinner tonight. We're spending all this money on presents, this money on food. How many kids, starving kids, could we feed with the money that we're wasting tonight? Mm. When he said that, I was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah. there's he's not wrong. Like, that, there's nothing wrong with thinking that. That's absolutely true. And it's Kirk Cameron basically just making conservative Christians feel okay about even, even gift giving. At the end of the movie, he's like... Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Jesus became material and uh, came down on earth and became flesh and became a material thing to die on the cross. So mm-hmm. it's fine for us to give each other material <laughs> gifts. That's the point. Like, that's, you're looking, <laughs> it's the ravings of a madman where it's like, that the, is insane. probably the funniest one is where he's like, you know what? I understand that Christmas trees aren't from the Bible. You're saying that, but uh, you know what? What is made out of trees are crosses. So every time you see a Christmas tree, I want oh, you to man. think of a cross. Which I was like, that's so dark. People were crucified on crosses. Like that's amazing. You want to see all these? Think of, uh, Eddie Izzard, the comedian. He has yeah. a, a stand-up bit where he's like talking about Easter, and he's like. Yeah, you know, because, like, the chocolate and the bunny that you're eating is, like, brown, like, the cross that Jesus... Yeah, yeah, I totally get it. Was I totally nailed get it. Like, too. Yeah, like... Yeah. Oh, man. It was... I, I highly encourage you and all of our listeners to watch it. It was... If you can watch... I mean, you obviously keep... You know, most people can't watch it with others, but even if it's people in your house or you do... Uh, Amazon has, like, a built-in watch party thing now if you do it with yeah, other yeah. people. Um, it's crazy. They, I, uh... they explain away Santa... All kinds of stuff. You're going to come out okay, just cool. brim, full to the brim with knowledge. There's also an extended breakdancing sequence at the end of the movie. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. Uh, it sounds amazing. I, I now, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say I can try it, but I'm not sure how far I'll make it through. But mm-hmm. now at least I'll make sure to, to skip forward to the breakdancing At least get to the end. My favorite part yeah. about the ending, I told Amanda during the dancing, I, as I was like, I, I'm sure I can't scientifically prove this, but I feel like growing up in Christian culture long enough – I can see people and depending on what they're doing or how they're acting, be like, yeah, you're a Christian. I can tell already. Like <laughs> you're, you're annoying me in a very specific way, even if nothing to do with Christianity has been brought up. And there's a woman in the front of the breakdancing sequence where I'm like, I can tell you're a Christian just by those, like the way that you're acting and dancing. Like oh Christian music is the same way. Sometimes uh, if Amanda's listening to like Christian radio and I don't know it yet, like a song will come mm. on and I'll hear three chords. And I'm like, this is Christian, isn't it? <laughs> like there yeah. will be no lyrics yet. Like the the culture just gets so like 
fed it cannibalizes itself to the point yeah. where it just sounds like a parody man uh well when i looked that one up too um i when we were talking about christian and, and christmas movies i was thinking of kind of like how they go hand in hand but i actually even when i was a real christian i didn't really throw a whole lot of that towards christmas christmas was always just a separate thing to me again yeah. probably because i was like eight years old or whatever whenever i became like a real christian in the church yeah and uh so christmas has always just been like the the best time of year and i love it for lots of reasons you know but not really a whole lot to do with jesus right uh but when you mentioned that you were looking up some of the the christian uh christmas movies as well i looked them up and there's one from 2009 called homeless for the holidays and i'm like this is the type of content you guys put out this is what we're talking about there are no good christian movies. i've like, never heard of that one <laughs> i've never heard of it either it's about a guy who loses his job and he has to work at a burger joint for christmas to get his kids gifts. Uh, and, what a what a persecuted Christian. Just like it's, in the yeah, days right? when we were fed to lions, having to work a shift at Burger King. <laughs> but yeah, there's a... I was actually wondering too, like um, the the Left Behind series, which oh, yeah. Kirk Cameron has done, I think like multiple movies. I, I'm not sure really what All of them except for the one with Nick Cage because they remade it again uh, and Nick right? Cage is in it, yeah. That's fucking weird, yeah. yeah. Nick Cage, another person who's had a, a wild career oh, yeah. uh, all over the place. But my sister read those books. They, they were huge in my uh, church growing up, the Left oh, Behind yeah. books. Um, but I never read them. I was curious if you would have uh, had read those or been a part of those movies. I tried know, to those. read I tried to read the adult books and I read the first two two and a half they got to the point where they were getting too like um geopolitical heavy Mm -hmm. like once nikolai carpathia shows up who is the antichrist and and all that stuff starts happening it was less interesting to me because the rapture happens at the beach so like the first book it's the rapture and as a kid Mm -hmm. that's such a like fascinating thing is that like we're just gonna disappear and there'll be clothes left like it's so crazy so that the first book is exciting in that way where it's like Mm -hmm. the rapture happened this global event and then once the moves start happening for Carpathia gaining power, then it's like, as a kid, I'm like, I'm not interested in this anymore. Fortunately, Jenkins and, uh, let's see the guy's name, um, uh, LaHaye, I think, they did uh, mm. a young adult series, which was called mm. Left Behind the Kids. And it was uh, some okay. of the characters' kids, and they were smaller volumes, and there were like 15 of those. I read all of those. So those oh, were more yeah. like YA, yeah. I remember when the movie came out, trying to watch the movie that was a constant for me even as a kid when i was plugged into christian culture was watching christian movies and being like this is so bad like why are these so bad yeah so i I watched i think the first one when it came out was excited because it was like oh they made a left behind movie and then you realize that they as christians and their budget is whatever their churches could scrape together they don't have you know the budget to do it this saving christmas (laughs) movie is funded by liberty college or university or whatever like super Uh, yeah like not a great college uh super conservative and uh, so I was not into into the movie, but I yeah the the whole idea of that always fascinated me, and that there would be a seven year tribulation, and then you know God would come back and take out Satan, and all. I mean that's all. Mm-hmm. I'm a comic book guy, so it's all very comic booky anyway. Yeah, I bet there's like something out there, right? Like a comic book adaptation of of some sort of like a Revelation story or whatever. Oh yeah, I'm sure, and I'm, I'm sure, sure it's, there's a bunch. And I'm sure there, it yeah. sucks. <laughs> like that. Well, see, that actually sounds more intriguing to me, at least, than uh, other things. Like the Left Behind books never really grabbed me that much, but seeing some of that as an adult, if it was done well, right? Not like in a Christian space, but more in like someone was just like a heavy metal space of like. Oh, the whole world's gonna go down. Oh yeah, yeah. that's like right about that. Like that sounds like I could be into it, but. Uh, for some reason, yeah, people, especially in the era, I feel, were really attracted to that book. 
of death and destruction. Oh yeah. And, uh, well, and I think that's why they did thing, so many. You know? It makes me wonder if, if the, from the beginning they had that many planned or if they were like, well, yeah. we can't stop now. They're, they're, this just sold right. millions of copies. Like, yeah. So, but that is an aspect that I've always found interesting that I don't feel like we do enough in pop culture is if there's anything apocalyptic, it's always Satan. And mm. I think just as, as fascinating and also scary could be, like the fact that everybody ignores the fact that if we have Satan and if we have demons in these horror movies or in these genre movies, logically the opposite is probably true as well. If there's mm. in these things, there's probably angels. There's probably a, a God. There's probably a, a, a positive force or whatever. Uh, and I get why we don't analyze that. Cause it, you know, it seems like immediately it would be Christian. Um, mm. but there have been some, I won't spoil it, but there's a, uh, there's a movie called a dark song, a horror movie. Have you seen this movie? Mm-hmm. No, uh, you got to check it out. It's great. And it's about, um, it's about a woman who's, who's young son dies and she hires this guy who is this like basically a modern day magician, like that mm. operates, not like, you know, pulls a rabbit out of a hat, but does like magic and, uh, hires him to do this like ritual. That's going to take two weeks in this house, just the two of them. And if they pull it off, she's able to meet her like guardian angel who then can give her like a wish basically, but it's a horror movie. So demons start showing up and yeah. And so they deal with some of that stuff. And I thought in such a way that was still very scary and cool. So I, I get the appeal of that, but yeah, as soon as you do it in Christian culture, it's just like, well, Satan is going to be viewed as like the bad guy in this way. Like there's not going to be ambiguity. Um, Preacher, the comic dealt with some of that stuff with God and with Satan um, but Christians were not down with that because God is like, you know, someone who leaves heaven because he's like, I'm done. <laughs> and so Christians right away were like, the, no, God doesn't do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but great comic. God doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, that's the thing is, I think some of those stories can be intriguing outside of the context of the Bible. If you were to just explore them as like a humanistic historical, like you yeah. said, uh, yeah. and context and stuff, stories. But then when they're for whatever reason for, for lack of money or the motives behind them when they actually make them from a Christian enterprise, yeah. uh, they always just flounder, uh, except for the one that I, I've never seen, but I also wondered if you'd seen was the passion of the Christ, <laughs> yeah, um, seen. which is a huge, also a huge movie. That was like right towards the tail end. I think of whenever I was, I was really into that stuff. Yeah. Um, but it seemed so like heavy. I never watched it, but, yeah. um, my church and many others like bought out theaters, theaters and stuff yeah. so everybody could go. Right. Yeah. And it was a huge deal. Um, and by all accounts that I've heard, it's, it's a well-made movie. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I've never, never seen it. So that's an anomaly because it is a studio film. It's R rated. It's extremely violent. Mm. Uh, but the, the Christian community operated with it in a few different ways. One was sort of being like, this one's okay. Cause it's about Jesus. Like we can watch, we can watch a man get hit, like his ass beaten to death for two hours, like yeah. viciously with blood and gore and everything else because it's Jesus, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of gave it a pass. And so once they did that, then yeah, what you just described that happened everywhere, people renting out theaters and stuff like that. Um, yeah. but then also they made, uh, they released a different cut of it that was like for mm. churches or like to show at Easter or it was like, or whatever, where it was like trimmed down, which is probably like 20 minutes long. Like the whole movie is him just getting destroyed. Right. Like it's not, <laughs> yeah, heard, it's yeah. not, it's not a couple scenes. So I've never seen that version. I saw it when it came out. Uh, it, I was still very entrenched in Christian culture then. And it was emotionally impactful because, uh, 
it had never been, we'd never seen anything like that. We'd seen lots of Christian passion movies, Jesus adaptations, but they're all pretty bloodless. You might see a trickle of blood come Mm -hmm. out of his hand when he'd get nailed or whatever, but it wasn't, you know, reality of what being crucified and whipped and everything would have been like. So there, there was a level of emotional trauma and connectivity that you felt that Gibson, Mel Gibson, I think really did well in making it be very realistic. But then it gets tied up into this whole idea of like, are we, how much is the conservative Christian world, like not glorifying the violence, but being okay with it because it's, Mm -hmm. it's Jesus and trying to figure out like, I don't know, all that sort of stuff. I've only watched it maybe once since then. I'd like to watch it again. Mel Gibson is, obviously someone that a lot of people are not cool with anymore um, mm-hmm. because of stuff that he's done and said and everything else, which I totally get. Uh, I'm not going to defend Mel Gibson. I will say, I think I'm okay to say this. It might still make people mad. <laughs> I personally think Mel Gibson is a fantastic filmmaker. I, I uh-huh. love his movies. I think uh, he made that apocalypto, which I think is a great mm, movie too. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the other one he did recently? Hacksaw Ridge, which I thought was really good too. I think he's a great filmmaker. So I I understand if you can't separate the art and the artist, that's totally fine. There's plenty of people I can't Mm. do that for. Um, But yeah, totally. I mean, it was an Aramaic and, and uh, uh, what was the other language? It's a cool things. Yeah. Like it it was authentic to that. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was a strange kind of anomaly that I don't really think has been replicated since. I don't think there's been a studio like led push for a Christian movie. That's been, there have been some, but they've been fringy. Like, Angelina Jolie did that one movie that's a true story about that like World War II fighter pilot that like crashed his plane in the ocean and he was a boxer or something. Yeah. It's called like Undefeated or Un yeah, Unstoppable or yeah, I didn't watch it, but mm-hmm. but those have been ones where it's like you can tell that they're advertising it in a way where it's like check out this emotional true story journey of one man. Mm-hmm. And then for Christians, they're like, you know, that guy's a Christian. Here's his story. Like, let's go see it. Like I know this guy or whatever. Yeah. So they can kind of capitalize on both without having to um, you know, potentially alienate one audience over the other, but mm-hmm. yeah, the passion one was was fascinating because it was, a, I think, a monster hit. Like it, it yeah, made a ton of money. Accounts. Yeah, and I think it was uh for for churches like renting it out and just Christians seeing it. But I think a lot of people saw it because right. Mel Gibson was okay then that uh, you know everybody was okay with him. Yeah, uh, and I do go back and forth on him too. I I loved Mel Gibson for a long, long time. And, Mel Gibson uh, has a, been my a, favorite actor since I've been a kid, and I can't. Right? It's, it's the simple. It's not it's the same as go. the Christian thing, where it's like people are like, "What's your favorite actor?" I'm like, "It's always been Mel Gibson," but I don't want to say that, like, because I know that's going to make you mad. Like, <laughs> I loved Brave. Oh, Braveheart. He directed Braveheart too, which I think is also great. I mean, like, yeah, like Braveheart's amazing. And, yeah, and I feel like uh, I, I too struggle with some like separating the artists. Sometimes I'm like okay with it. Yeah. My my stance on him and most people when whenever I feel a certain way about it or whatever it's like i can still watch his old stuff but i really don't care for anything new right uh, like he's had a few projects coming up he's like a santa movie coming up <laughs> yeah. right now and i'm like Fat yeah Man i would love whatever. christmas stuff and yeah and, and i would totally watch a mo gibson be like a weird santa or whatever but i'm like yeah i just it just doesn't like sure. appeal to me much anymore but i'm still like but he's mad max and like yeah. you know he's yeah he's in fucking lethal weapon and i he's, he's i hope that, stuff, that so. at some point we'll get uh a very candid uncensored look at his life through like maybe a documentary or like a a, a nonfiction like biography or something because yeah. the one thing that's always been constant that he's been candid about and other people around him that have supportive have been candid about is that he 
has severe alcoholism and has mm-hmm. for his entire life and addiction problems and and like yeah. I, I think uh, it was on the set of Lethal Weapon One. I'm pretty sure um, Richard Donner like told a story about how Mel Gibson got to work at like 5 a.m. and he had already had like 20 beers like since he had gotten holy up. shit and and that and but he was ready to work and Richard yeah. Donner being like okay I mean I guess he's ready to work but this seems it's like method. a problem yeah, <laughs> yeah and this was in like 83 or whatever so you yeah. know this is not a new thing so I've always been interested in finding out kind of more about what and it, it's a tough thing because when I say that it sounds like I'm trying to excuse things yeah. he's done or said and I'm absolutely not but it's been clear, at least to me, that it's not just been necessarily a cut and dry thing of like, oh, this is who he is at his core, as yeah. much as it seemed like we've probably seen the worst parts of him many times because of of this. And it doesn't mean he's not done these things or what. I don't know. It's tough to talk about because anytime I talk yeah. about it, it sounds like I'm defending him and I'm not. Um, well, I get you, though, because I think we're all trying to still figure out this world since like the Me Too movement and and. Mel Gibson's was just like a, a drunken rant about Jews and stuff. And it's just like, looks really bad. And you're like, and Ray, he said some really racist stuff in those yeah. audio tapes that they then were like later, oh, I right. guess proved that they were doctored, but then it's like, oh, okay. you don't want to bring that up. Cause then it sounds like you're again, defending him. The, yeah. the thing that's interesting to me is I, I don't think his legacy will really be known until he's dead because mm. there are other people who even people who are, very close friends with him who he helped and they've helped him like Robert Downey Jr. who had the exact opposite, like yeah. had had a, their lowest point where their career was done. And then everybody loves this triumphant return of Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. and celebrates it um, because, you know, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't or whatever, but it's, it's interesting how much we like view and see and try to judge and base certain things off of. And then especially once there's like a, 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 a cultural consensus of someone then it's like well then that's it you know there's no nuance to it there's no discussion and gibson has definitely been one of those people where it's like he's now considered you know a punching bag racist um Mm anti-semitic maniac and 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 i'm not saying he's not maybe he is but it's there's that's been the deciding narrative even though there have been people that have said like jody foster and robert downey jr have been Mm -hmm. like like we have to help this guy in the way that he's helped us and not told anybody about or, or whatever else. I don't know. It, I find it interesting because it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think because I like him as an artist, I've yeah. always loved his acting and I've loved his directing um, mm-hmm. that it makes me more interested, but yeah, it's tough. I, I, I I've like always landed on if you can't separate the art and the artist, that's okay. If you yeah. can, that's okay. Like it's, yeah, it's always going to be personal and where you land and it's different for everybody with everything. I think that's fair enough. Uh, and I, I would just say that I, I feel like as we more and more, like you said, like either after he dies or just getting kind of a reckoning on things or whatever. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I feel like everybody has their levels. Um, and some of us can forgive those things. But I, I think overall, like to not defend someone, but to still be like, well, what does something someone says at one point and uh, how much does that matter? Can they get better? Can you accept their apologies later? Yeah. Can otherwise, like, what's the point at all? Right. Like, why don't they just die? I love a redemption uh, story you know? when it's it's authentic and true because there's yeah. growth and there's you know and and people learn and change. Like that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And I think about this not just with Mel Gibson but just in general a lot because it happens in the comic book community too a lot where. Uh, where people will make a mistake and then the comic book community is like, well, they're done. Never, le- never let them work yeah. in the industry again. 
And it's like, man, I've, I've made mistakes before. <laughs> like I've done yeah. things that are wrong or, you know, in a place of ignorance, right. I didn't know said things that, and like you said, with the yeah. cancel culture you know, too, with like James Gunn was fired from, you know, right. from Disney, from the MCU because of tweets he had made 10 years prior and had already addressed and apologized for yeah. before anyone else. But enough people got on it at the right time that Disney was like, you're done. And then rehired him later. Like it's right. This yeah. whole thing is so is so I don't know. It's it's so I'm, I'm very strange way that we've ended here on this episode. But <laughs> I know I don't know. It really ended up here, but it happens sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think it's just there, there'll be more discussions about that in the future as a society, I feel. And um, yeah, I will and say for sure, since then, I have really leaned into the fact that a lot of women and people of color have been sidelined for a lot of times. Yeah. And there's a lot more artists out there that I would love to see. And generally yeah. with like politics or movies or whatever actors and stuff. If it's an actress, I generally, there's not going to be a whole lot you're going to not like about them if you found out about it. But with men, it seems to happen oh, a yeah, lot. For sure. And I, I think that as individually, we can have those discussions about their artistic merits versus like what they did and how bad it was. But right. in general, I'm like, I'm also leaning towards like, just let these other people do it for a while because we've been marginalizing them for well, a long time. Well, last week so. I mentioned with Trebek, like it's noteworthy that mm. he's never had it, it, his entire life. He never had a scandal. Like that's, totally. that's rare, you know, like yeah. and it's, it's weird that that's the, the benchmark. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, right. Oh, he, he achieved the ultimate achievement in that he'd never, you know, killed somebody and got away with it or like cheated on his <laughs> wife. You know, it's, it's crazy what? that that's the present is that like, congratulations, you just weren't a dick. Like it's yeah. What if that was in the end of his autobiography? It's like a sport or like a, an after I was credits, the Zodiac you know? killer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the Zodiac killer? Alex Answer Dubai. me. Yeah. Holy fuck, man. That's good. Well, that's a good ending, I think. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Did you want to plug anything today? Um, sure. Um, you can check me out on Twitter, follow our Twitter too. Um, did, did you update our email address <laughs> on uh, our we bio? Did on our, t- uh, okay. thank you for, for noticing that after like three fucking years, but yeah, <laughs> that is fixed. I'm that hoping that, uh, yeah, if you've emailed the show in the past few years, uh, and didn't get a reply, it's because someone else got the email. Uh, that's fixed now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, subscribe, uh, check out all these things and, um, Perfect. I don't know. That's it. Simple. Yeah. That's all I got. Keep it tight. I like it. Uh, well, this was fun. I, I, I was curious a lot of your background. Like I said, we had talked about a little bit in text and stuff, but um, I really haven't talked to someone that had gone through those experiences except for the people that I went through them with. Yeah. Um, and even <laughs> them, I haven't talked to them in so long, you know, I'm not really yeah. friends with a lot of my church friends anymore. So yeah, totally. um, it's, it's, it, this is uh, cathartic in a way, you yeah, know, for to, sure kind of address these things that we all went through uh, collectively, which in a, in a weird way. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was good, man. And, and like you said, there's, there's good parts to it too, that we can take out of it. So yeah, totally. At least Reliant K. Yeah. And then uh, uh, if you feel too good about it, go watch saving Christmas on Amazon prime and then remind <laughs> yourself why Christianity is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and then do your own thing and it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, that was fun, man. Uh, thanks for, for being on the show again. And, uh, for everybody for listening to, uh, to us today. And, uh, until next time, I'm Steven. I'm David. And let's talk later. One, two.
three. Happy birthday, Brent. I messed it up. <laughs> Please come on. I think I'm falling. show anymore.